This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hi, this is Roseanne, host of California Dreaming, a podcast that brings you true crime tales from the Golden State, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 81. I'm Nick Howell. And waving my arms up and down to try to trigger Kane's pyro, I am Sir <laughs> Ian Dangerous. And we are going home this week to Extreme Rules. That's coming up this coming Sunday for the what WWE. What is Extreme Rules, Ian? If you could describe Extreme Rules in 30 seconds. I, I can't. Much like the WWE superstars on their promo for this event, I can't really describe it because it really kind of beggars belief that they only have one or two matches that actually have any kind of extreme rules stipulations on this show which we will get to when we go through raw and smacked on the go home shows for extreme rules for this weekend but that's not all we have today we have a ton of other things to talk about so much nxt 205 live of course plus I was there at the G1 special at the Cow Palace up in Northern California. Uh, that was an incredible event. I can't wait to talk about that, not only because it was a good show, but because a ton of stuff happened during it. In fact, we're going to kick off with some of that in a second here. Uh, but we also have listener questions we have to get to, some great ones this week. I can't wait to talk about, plus a ton of other stuff. There's a lot to get through this week. Yes, but guys, if you want to keep up with the show throughout the week as we uh, put these episodes together, head over to Facebook and join the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Uh, just request an invite. We will get you in. Fun memes, lots of good conversations, and uh, listener questions as well every week. You can also come hang out with us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. And uh, hey, big announcement. We're uh, going to be doing a live test next week before we go live on August 2nd. Ba -ba -ba -ba. That should be in the big news, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that's bigger than the big news. We're, uh, we're doing that before the big news, yes. actually. So August 2nd at 5 p.m. Pacific. Just uh, mark your calendars. That's when we're going to be doing every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be live on YouTube. So if you've not yet subscribed to that YouTube channel, uh, we can find a link to it either in the show notes here for the show or over in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. And what time are we going live on Monday again, Nick? We're going to Monday, we're going to do a live Pacific. test at 3 p.m. Pacific. So same thing, same rules apply. We'll be posting that uh, later this afternoon with an event invite in Facebook. So again, yet another reason to come get into the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. You get all of these hot news and, and links, but... Ian, where do we go from here? I, I think we need to start off. We need to start the show the right way, and that is with the big news. 
we've got to start things off with breaking news like minutes ago this just happened within the last hour this just took place and it is blowing up social media right now ring of honor and new japan pro wrestling have announced a combined g1 supercard to be held at madison square garden next year but that's not it where is it going to be? It's going to be in Madison Square Garden, but it's going to be on WrestleMania weekend. What? On April 6th, 2019, <laughs> Ring of Honor New Japan Super Supercard at Madison Square Garden. So this is crazy on a number more of levels. More wrestling on more WrestleMania weekend? What? I don't know if this could be a bigger thumbing of the nose to Vince McMahon if they actually tried. Obviously, there were some issues with Ring of Honor trying to get an event at Madison Square Garden. Uh, it was blocked, uh, apparently, by someone high up in WWE, and Sinclair Group, who owns Ring of Honor, threatened to sue uh, for this. And I guess that all got dropped because it is officially announced now that Ring of Honor and New Japan will be having their biggest combined show of the year, uh, opposite WWE's biggest show of the year in WWE's house. Well, Madison Square Garden has traditionally been where WWE came from. That's that's where they were in the seventies as as the WWWF. Yeah. I mean, that was that was their home. They were the the Northeast, and that was that was coming out of Madison Square Garden. Square Garden. So this could not be a bigger shot fired over the bow than uh, the two arguably biggest companies outside of WWE doing this. I mean, the only the only way it could get bigger is if Impact jumped in as well. So. What's to this rule that out? Oh my God! Nothing. But we've already we already know that like, the biggest stars uh, from Ring of Honor and New Japan have been announced to be there. So yeah. they're they're going to make this as balls to the wall bonkers a show as humanly possible. And speaking of bonkers balls to the wall shows, a quick note from the G One up north. Uh, we'll talk about this a lot more later in the New Japan segment. Uh, but we do need to talk about an injury that occurred there. Hiromu Takahashi took a really nasty bump uh, from Dragon Lee. He was getting, it looked like a butterfly suplex that just went horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Landed on his neck and uh, was able to finish the match and do some crazy moves after that. That's incredible. Uh, but then, you know, went to the back pretty quickly and apparently collapsed backstage and was taken to a hospital. Um, the initial report was that he had broken his neck. But apparently they're backing off of that now and saying it's it might not be as severe as that. But there's definitely playing it hush hush out of New Japan. He's made it back to Japan now and he's being treated there. But we're not sure the extent of his injuries uh, or what this will mean for his uh, junior heavyweight championship run. Mm. If he'll have time because we, we've got the G1 for the next month or so. He's not involved in that. Um, if he will be able to have time off to, to heal and recuperate if it's a light enough injury to be able to then come back and defend it without having to drop uh, his belt uh, because of this injury. I'm, I'm thinking about next year as well, uh, going back to what we were talking about before. So uh, if you're looking at 2019, now you're looking at the G1 Supercard in April. You're going to have the G1 Special in June or July, and then you're going to jump right into the climax. It is going to be the summer of new japan next year and they've just been building because last year Holy was smokes. arguably one of their best years of all time yes. this year is already poised to be as good if not better um and then next year is just going to be a massive incursion into the u.s market thanks to the help of ring of honor so Ooh. yeah lots to look at there uh there are other injury news we need to talk about from g1 but we will we will save that for the new japan section there's a lot a lot okay. more we have to talk about there because we need to talk about the other there's tons of enormous enormous things that happened this week the other big one of course brock 
Lesnar, if you watched UFC 226, you saw Daniel Cormier win the heavyweight belt and immediately call out Brock Lesnar, who was there and jumped in the ring and they started shoving each other. And then Brock gave a epithet and curse laden diatribe uh, after this in which he called out Daniel Cormier for the UFC championship. He did not show up, by the way, holding the WWE Universal Championship, uh, uh, which he also currently is uh, hijacking, if you will. Um, Here's the thing, man. What does this mean that Brock is now apparently going back to UFC? Yeah, I mean, he's going we know he's going through the testing uh, regiment. So that that's a clear sign that he's going back to yeah, UFC. Dana White did announce he was back in the US, USADA, the USADA testing. Uh, right now, his time frame for getting through that, for clearing that, so that he'll be uh, able to compete legally, is January. So he'll be he's he technically could compete in UFC in January. We did just get confirmation uh, from Wrestling Observer that Brock is scheduled to be there at SummerSlam. So that could be. That could be our answer right there. I feel like I knew. I feel like I knew that already. I think since WrestleMania and since it took that turn at WrestleMania back in April, that we kind of knew. We didn't really know coming out of it, but by now we know that he's booked through what was it August or something like. So SummerSlam, he's under contract, but they didn't have any actual dates for him. Right, but just like confirmed. WrestleMania, they could sign a new contract the night before, and who knows? But to me, this the fact that he's going through the testing regiment means he's going to UFC. Absolutely. You know, he signed gone. something at UFC. But we the just question don't know is, yet. can he do both? Will he do both? And if so, what does that mean for WWE? I don't think Vince would let him do both. I mean, this here's the here's the thing that I'm curious about is how, and obviously there's a, there's a long history of, of this kind of thing, um, you know, just, just spiting yourself, and that is, and leaving money on the table. Why doesn't Vince see this as a chance to get exposure through other venues or anyone at WWE? Really, you know, uh, this is the, an opportunity for millions of other people to be, have awareness of your product, to then ga- gain prestige on your belt. Um, and I don't see any of this kind of cross promotion going are you, are you on. Talking about him, he should have gone into the UFC octagon with the Universal Championship on his shoulder, or the fact like that? that on Raw they didn't even mention that he was there. That Roman oh, Reigns came out and you. had one small thing. Well, Brock was busy this weekend, or something like that. Yeah, but they didn't actually take the time to say, "That's right, you know, our Universal Champion is going out and doing stuff other places and getting into very high profile situations other places." Uh, and I just I, I see that as money on the uh, left on the table because you know this is it's one of those things that goes back decades with with Vince McMahon where if, if it doesn't take place in WWE it doesn't exist okay. and he's kind of come out a little bit from under that umbrella but there's still that kind of overarching th- theory that I don't want to give anyone else my rub somehow and and the th- the thought that if the belt shows up somewhere else in someone else's promotion that it somehow diminishes. The, the value in WWE. It's, it's, I don't it's agree a bizarre, with that It's a bizarre thing. But, but but I get his wanting to control it. I can certainly sure. see him wanting to control what would happen. And if he turned that loose to, for it to appear on a UFC program, you're kind of handing what happens to over to Dana White and Joe Rogan. Like They were both smiling and looking like stupid idiots during that whole segment with Cormier. And I just, I don't, I don't know. They weren't taking it seriously. Like you, well, because it was, it was, it was very WWE. I know. (laughs) And if you, if so, okay. So take a step backwards as Vince, you kind of want it to be acted and taken very seriously and not laughed at. So I, I side with Vince (laughs) a little bit here. 
<laughs> I, if, if that's the case, then so so be it. It doesn't has need he, to be anywhere. Has else. he watched his own show? I mean, it's. I know. I know. I, this is the thing: is that Roman Reigns is your guy. The, I, I know. If, I get it. if you want it to be taken seriously, let it be taken seriously. Put it in a situation where it's a serious sporting event, and maybe it's just that. Maybe that's part of it: is they don't want the the compare and contrast yeah. to happen. But whatever it is, uh, Brock is back uh, working w, uh, UFC and what he's going to do in WWE, what's happening with the belt remains to be seen. It, it really does uh, just kind of underline the fact that it might have been a better idea to just let Brock lose at WrestleMania and let the Roman Reigns era begin there 100%. because now a lot of that, hate to use the word, but momentum is really gone. And a lot of this uh, Roman, you know, talking about he's the uncrowned universal champion and begging for this kind of this audience sympathy. Uh, it's not as I, you know, and this is, this is obviously a poor uh, comparison. It's like saying I'm taller than Danny DeVito, but it's, that's not as compelling a story as what we had going into WrestleMania. So it's, I think yeah. compelling might be a strong word. That's hence what I said. Is right. it's it's <laughs> it's a polished turd. It's the band aid we wanted ripped off, and I think yeah. we we speak for most of the universe, WWE universe uh, in the, at least the smarks among us that uh, that felt that way going into WrestleMania. Okay, let's just get past it. Now it, we're here. We are reset again, heading into Extreme Rules and then SummerSlam. Going into SummerSlam with the exact same feeling. Okay, now we know. Let's just rip the bandaid off and move past it. But smart or casual, I mean, it's. I don't even want to break it down into that kind of divisiveness. Let's sure. just, anyone who's a fan who's watching the show was was watching what happened at WrestleMania and scratching their heads. It was a really head scratching move. So yep. where they go from here, we will have to see. But one thing is for sure: to get there, we got to go through Extreme Rules, and to get to Extreme Rules, we have to talk about Monday Night Raw. And yet again, we open the show on Monday Night Raw this week with Roman Reigns coming out to tout how amazing he is, how it's his yard. Oh, but wait, not before we had this weird kind of backstage segment between him and Bobby Lashley where they confront each other and Bobby Lashley says, I dare you to go out and call me out. I liked this. I'm not going to lie. I I actually thought so. The thing that started off the show that I kind of, I just, my eyes rolled all the way back in my head like The Undertaker was this big long video package talking about the Roman, how Roman Reigns had, you know, he was the uncrowned champion and he and Lashley were having this epic confrontation. I'm like, there's been nothing epic about the right. Roman Reigns Lashley feud so far. Like vanilla pudding. But, you know, but good try, guys. Yeah. But the, the thing that that sent home to me was that, yes, this is still their main feud. Even though there's no belt attached, even though we have a WWE champion over on SmackDown, this is still their primary feud, Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley. And then starting off the show with it and having Bobby Lashley confront Roman backstage and say, call me out in the ring, dude, I dare you. Roman going out, calling him out, and then the two of them just not even being able to talk. They just had to jump each other in the ring. Uh, I thought that was definitely showing their hand that this is still their primary concern, this feud. And that being said, I thought that after weeks and weeks of it really not going anywhere, all of these segments, this whole opening segment, was a really good way of just sparking some heat in it and sparking some interest. Because while we, you know, Kurt comes out and says, guys, stop fighting, calls the whole locker room out to break them up. They can't break them up. They're fighting up and down the ramp, back and forth, blah, blah, blah. We've seen it a ton of times before. They love doing this thing. Brock has done this pull apart brawl thing multiple times when he when he's you know two years ago at WrestleMania with Goldberg. Great you know? way to make the rest of your roster look like complete goobs. 
but whatever. They were conveniently is. all standing at Gorilla, too, waiting to be... Anyway. They're all waiting to go out for their matches, Nick. Oh, of course. Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, They're all right, right there. Uh, that being said, it, you know, we've seen it a ton of, ton of times before. It is really good to create some excitement, and it's hard not to get even just a little bit excited when these things happen. It was entertaining, and it did... I think set a, a bit of a fire under this Lashley and Roman feud. It still doesn't feel like it should be the main feud of the card, but it did. I thought. I thought at the end of the whole thing, build a nice little little fire under it that we didn't have before. Yeah. Uh, I thought the the interview segments later in the show where they were both saying how much they didn't like each other, kind of pulled some of that air back out of the balloon. But uh, but overall, I thought that of all the things they've done for this feud so far, this was the best thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they should have opened the show with those kinds of the interview things or had them throughout the show in the middle somewhere and closed the night uh, with this brawl, locker room clearing brawl. Agreed. And that would have kind of set the go-home nature of this into the pay-per-view. Opening it up with it was just – it was all kind of downhill from there. And you kind of just – they blew their wad at the beginning and just – Okay, we didn't really have anything to close the show with. Yeah, I, I was really surprised by that. But but what they did close the show with was really good as well, I thought. And that's the what I think is the best feud going on Monday Night Raw. Mojo right Raleigh and No Way Jose? Uh, no, that's no, not, oh. not, not at all. Although that feud did wrap up this week, <laughs> I think, with uh, Mojo and, and, no, and No Way Jose finally having their match and Mojo going over pretty convincingly and cutting a pretty good heel promo, I thought. But anyway, no. Obviously, that's not the best feud on the show. <laughs> that would be Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, and Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental belt. What a shock. A, a feud with a belt is actually the most engaging thing on the show. Mm. Also, because the three performers in it are doing really good work. Yeah. Um, although, I thought that... So, that started off with the segment where Seth comes to the ring and says he can't wait to get his belt back. And uh, Ziggler and Drew come out and make fun of him. And there was some really, really lame jokes shot back and forth across. I'm glad you said that because that's what I wanted to really talk about in this. I thought the the match itself, the everything else was, was yeah. Fine. This led this led into Drew getting mad at Seth, and then Seth and Drew having a match at the end of the show, which was fine. Cheap but go, jokes. That's exactly yeah, cheap thank you. jokes. Yes, and it's making fun of a Scott about banging sheep. Yep. Uh, okay. Never heard that before. Uh, uh, Seth Rollins also wondering if uh, Ziggler, Ziggler had Drew McIntyre working for him because he's got pictures of him doing stuff. I mean, of anybody who shouldn't be talking about illicit pictures getting out, it's Seth Rollins. Right, right. But uh, peroxide just, in the hair was another one. Peroxide in the hair is another. Yeah. So Come just on, guys. Lame, lame jokes. But at the end of the day, what sold it was the fact that they reacted well and drew when, you know, the sheep shagging joke ugh, as a Scott, it's just it's I'm sick. OK, huh, we get it. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's an easy one. It's very low hanging fruit. But Drew sold it like a gunshot. And it really, and you know, Drew getting passionate and running down and wanting to murder Seth Rollins was a good look. And it did lend some fire to the match at the end of the show, which they gave some stakes to as well, which was great. If Drew McIntyre wins, loses this match, he's a banned from ringside for the Intercontinental uh, Ironman match on Sunday. That's good stakes. That's good stuff. Great. I like it. And it ended up really good with a with a nice little distraction from Ziggler and a monster curb stomp from from Rollins onto Ziggler. Drew McIntyre taking advantage of the distraction and giving him the Claymore for the one, two, three. So Drew will be ringside for the Iron Man competition. It, that was all good stuff, I thought, you know, with, with a couple of nitpicking exceptions. I thought it was the stuff that we need more of. Do you think having Drew at ringside in a type of venue like an Iron Man match is the right thing to do? Knowing that there's going to be interference, knowing that it's not going to be a clean thing? I, I think if they go into it with 
the match booked like, yes, we all know Drew's going to get involved. Seth knows Drew's going to get involved and then build it from there. I think that'll help. I think it'll be, I think it will be fine, especially the level at which all of these guys are performing at now. It's nice to see Ziggler, you know, the car was spinning out of control there for a while. It was, he was going on a big skid. I think that's being righted right now. And as the trepidation that we had about him and McIntyre being teamed up at first is fading away because it, they are working some good stuff. Together. No, mine's still there. The di- <laughs> mine's still there. I'm like, I'm, the I'm already, I'm already three months ahead. Fantasy booking. Like, how are they going to split these two guys up? Sure. So and we it, can it get Drew out in a singles some, competition. Yeah, but what, what they're doing that right now, given how tight the card is and how, how, you know, little there, little wiggle room there is. I'm not mad with what they're doing about no. it right now. Um, the other weird thing was that Jinder Mahal was trying to teach Seth how to meditate backstage, and I don't like. It's like Mahal's gone back to being a three MB punchline character again. It's gonna happen. It's the reunite, I think it's happening. The reuniting is gonna happen. I don't know about three MB, but he's going back to being his like his old punchliney self, uh, comedy character. No good. Also in the comedy character, uh, what realm? Uh, this whole feud with Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman is uh, staying weird. With Kevin Owens showing up with a doctor's note saying he can't compete, so he's going to hang out in Kurt Angle's office for the entire episode uh, and being generally annoying until Braun comes in and tells him that he stinks of fear and he can't wait to get him in a cage on Sunday. Um, Kurt making the match while in the office. It was, I don't get this. I don't get this feud at all. I don't get what they're trying to show about Braun, who's coming across like a big, scary bully monster now. Yeah. I don't get what they're trying to show about Kevin Owens, who comes across as a useless heel, not one that can actually hold his own. He just like, runs I away. Kinda, you know, if we're not going to get vicious, murdering Kevin Owens that we, we know and love, I kind of like Kevin Owens as the little crybaby chicken shit that's running around telling telling dad about big bad Braun and you know, running away from him and trying to get away from everything. What my concern is, what they're going to do with Braun. Like, none of this is going to matter in about three months when he cashes in and gets the championship. What's this? What's this mean? So let's let's look at this on Sunday though. He murders if if he murders Kevin Owens, and uh, then what does that do for him? How does that help him in any way? I, I, I think it's I think it's massively slowing down. How does it help either one of them? Again, right? Well, it helps Kevin Owens if he's able to beat Braun on Sunday. But then where do they go from there? How does, does this though, continue? Exactly. So does, does it this go to, does this go to SummerSlam? I mean, they need to keep Braun doing something to keep him away from the, from the Universal Title. Yeah, so I could true. see Kevin Owens pulling it off on Sunday, uh, if only to extend this further. Oh, and to say that we, uh, we uh, while they were in the office, the, uh, Kurt Angle did book it as a steel cage match. I don't think yeah, we said that. I did. I did. You did say that. Match, okay. Yeah. And uh, that was my whole thing. Is he hasn't? You know, the point of a steel cage match is if someone keeps escaping, or you know, yeah. then then you make him get in a steel cage to make them fight. Well, here's the problem. Kevin Owens has been trying to get away this entire time. Like he's been able to, to escape. Like he's not, it's not like it's not like Braun hasn't been able to get his hands on him time and time and time again. Like he hasn't been escaping. So I'm just I I don't get the logic of this other than yeah. hey, it's extreme rules. We had got we gotta have something. Here's a cage match. Yeah, it's extreme. So we'll see. I, I'm I'm curious where they're gonna go with this, uh, but I'm I'm not too happy with how they're treating either of these guys in this feud right they, now. They need to go back and watch that Sandman entrance video where he's smashing beer cans on his head to bust himself open before he ever gets to the ring. <laughs> it, that's extreme. And then just the match was like nothing. It was all about the entrance. Yeah, right. People should just watch that just because. Right. Uh, but in other news, we had a Natalia and Nia Jax teaming up against Alexa Bliss and Mickey James in kind of a 
you know, typical pointless tag match before a singles match. The, the only real takeaway from this was that Nia Jax was back to her dominating self, just dominated Mickey yeah. James. Pressed her up in yeah, the air and then drops her. really, yeah. really strong going into this. Alexa looked like she was willing to get a kendo stick and, and take it to, to Nia. Nia took the kendo stick away from Alexa and then really awesomely, I thought, broke it over her knee and hucked it at her. I thought it all looked that all that whole part. And then Nia's also her promo afterwards about how she's going to kick Alexa's butt. I thought that all worked to hype this match up a little bit. The rest of it I could have done without yeah. the whole, you know, Natalia and Mickey tag team match. It was just it was filler. Um, but I thought the very end of this, I'm like, cool. All right. We got the last little cherry on top that we need for this Sunday. Let's go. Let's do this because we all know the outcome of this match. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had uh, a whole big segment involving uh, Finn Balor, Bobby Roode, uh, Baron Corbin, and Elias. Elias came out to the ring, did his typical thing, um, and I, somehow I don't really remember how this got to a tag match. Well, basically, I don't it, know if I had, tuned out or what well, happened. Well, it had been here. set up that uh, you were going to have Finn Balor and Bobby Roode versus uh, Corbin, and they didn't really clear clearly say who was going to be the other person. Right. So when Elias was in the ring, we had no idea where he was really going until he called out Corbin and they had a nice little sing-along, the Itsy Bitsy Balor, because there's this right. whole like small guy versus a giant thing going on between Finn and Corbin right now. Sure. Uh, that whole segment, of course, like most Elias bits, are was fun. That was amazing. Uh, yeah. And then we had a tag match where Bobby Roode ate the pin after an end of days. Um, this obviously building up for the match on Sunday, Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin, which I am looking forward to. I think might be the sleeper match of the show. They pull it off, um, but the, the real takeaway from this for me was just kind of how far Bobby Roode has fallen. Yeah, really, you and know, continues I mean, to fall. Yeah, I mean, Elias at least still has kind of a place, even though he's not like, and he looked good in this match. Yeah, he doesn't have a match on Sunday, but you know, when he shows up, it's a moment. When Bobby show, Bobby Roode shows up, it doesn't feel like as much of a moment anymore. And the fact that he's showing up on main event and eating pins in tag matches for matches that uh, he's done even in for the pay-per-view. That's not a good look. No, no so, not at all. Um, worried, worried about the trajectory of Bobby Roode. Uh, What's going on with uh, Bailey and Sasha's therapy right now? I noticed that it wasn't Dr. Shelby this week, which, which I, I kind of went WTF. That that was kind of all you, you need to take teases. away from it. Yeah, that's all you need to take away. There's no Shelby. There's just no, there's no nothing. We said last week, remember, that uh, Shelby was the only good thing about the segment. The, the saving at the end that he did, yeah. Oh, just all throughout the segment. Oh, he was just man. great. It was great. <laughs> yeah. But this week, we had a whole other therapist. We only had, of I think, two or three segments where we saw them in therapy in the same room with a new therapist for some reason. Um, we had one segment where we could actually hear them talking, and it was just, yeah, she doesn't like me. She's been mean to me ever since NXT, blah, 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 the same old thing. <laughs> And then all the other ones, we couldn't really hear them. And it was just, by the way, they're in therapy, which is just, uh, it's been kind of the story of this feud is, you know, as soon as you turn on some heat, soon something good happens, they just turn the burners down and it cools down for a while. And it's just the stop and start you know, is just not good for this feud. They no. need to get, like the heat that they had in San Diego when Bailey finally blew up and turned on Sasha, people blew up. It was great. I did. Now, nothing. Yeah. And we're back down to... Uh, and I can only think that they're saving this for SummerSlam to have some sort of callback to their match in Brooklyn. The difference between that match and this match is that match had a months and months and months of intense build before it. So what are they going to have for this SummerSlam if they finally turn the burners up after Extreme Rules on this? 
and we've got four weeks of Bailey and Sasha getting progressively more vicious with each other. I think they could do it. You they could so? easily do it in four weeks. Oh. Um, I, we, they've shown that they can do that. And I, with, the, with the history that's already there, I, I certainly think that they could um, pull that off for a big showdown at SummerSlam. I don't have a lot of confidence they're actually going to do it, though. But here's the problem. Before, Sasha was the absolutely evil, despicable heel, and Bailey was the sweet underdog babyface. The hell are they now? No, They have no identity, really. No, that's no. my point. Yeah. Uh, next up, Bo Dallas had a match against Matt Hardy, and he won. Boy, the this sounds, B team is this, starting to beat the Deleter of Worlds on a consistent basis. What are they starting to? This has been the story for the last few weeks. Is I, I, that's what individual I mean. B team has beaten Matt Hardy. <laughs> well, yeah, because Bray because drove his car like an idiot and whatever. Crashed into people and right. was out for this week. But uh, yeah, that, that, the Deleters of Worlds, I believe, have lost every single singles match in this feud, uh, which I think will come into play this, this, uh, this Sunday. I've been trying to tell y'all. I've oh been, really? I've been, I've been trying yeah, to yeah you have. And, Watch out for those guys. Uh huh. Okay, we'll we'll see now. we'll see in the pickums. Okay. Oh god, I, I'm going to take that clip. You've been t- I'm trying to tell you the B team they're going to be a big deal. Yeah. All right, we'll see uh, when they yep. lose yep, this yep, Sunday. Yep. Uh, Ember Moon also uh, defeated Liv Morgan and continues her winning streak. Yep, she's on like a, a DL winning streak right now. I think it's just one of those another one of those slow burns. They're just keeping her hot off to the side. They got three hours to kill. So might as well have her on TV, keep her hot, keep people, everyone thinking of her being a winner. And uh, as soon as they have the time and the opportunity, jettison her up into the uh, main event of the women's scene. Yeah, I think we talked about this last week pretty extensively. It was uh, they're just kind of they're holding her there until they get past this whole Nia and Alexa thing, probably at SummerSlam. But uh, look for Ember Moon to have a big second half of 2018. Oh, big time. Uh, uh, they're absolutely going to. But yeah. uh, that's that. That's pretty much it for Raw, yeah. man. We are ready to go to, to Extreme Rules, at least on the Raw side. But to talk about the other side of it, we have to go talk about SmackDown Live. Well, we opened up SmackDown Live again this week with Miz TV. And he is looking fantastic. You can tell he's a proud new dad. He's got a hot new TV show on the way. He's married to Maurice. So, I mean, what guy wouldn't be excited and happy about that? You know, there's a lot of things to like about what The Miz continues to do in WWE. And this week, he calls out, as his special guest, the newly reformed Team Hell No. Oh, God. This- and this was so money, this this segment. I, I really, really enjoyed this. I, I have to say, I'm of two minds, because as much as this entire episode of SmackDown Live, Team Hell No was entertaining me to the moon and back, and we have a whole bunch to talk about because a lot of stuff, they did a great job of interweaving a bunch of different feuds. Yeah, um, They're so entertaining, but I don't know if I'm any more excited about their match on Sunday with the Bludgeon Brothers. I'm just, I'm happy to see them and they're entertaining me, yeah. but I'm not like, God, I can't wait to see that match. I just want them to come out and be funny all the time. Like, like this, like this segment with well, like Miz. the old backstage segments they did all the time. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's not a team that you sit there and go, I can't wait to watch them wrestle. It's just you can't wait for another segment that they're in. And they had a, a few segments, three, this, that, like this three week. different yeah. segments on this very show, on this show alone. The Miz TV one, they had one in the middle of the whole show with the New Day where they or Kane like quoted and sank and you know defined it as a gateway to hell, not JT's a portal. too big to reunite the band. And, and then at the, end of the, at the end of the show, there was a little bit uh, after the, this final match on the show, which we'll talk about in a second here, where Daniel Bryan keeps trying to set off Kane's pyro and he can't do it until he does. And Kane goes, what the hell? man? 
it was a ton of fun. And I, I am, I got to say, I, I love as much as they even called out a couple times on the show that it's a nostalgia act. Yeah. They know it's a nostalgia act and it's kind of a self-aware meta nostalgia act at this point where there's a lot of self-referential stuff going on. Uh, even with between Miz and them, like it's, it's fun. He quote played the wrong clip, uh, <laughs> <laughs> showing uh, just what a dick that Kane was to Has Daniel been, Bryan. Yeah, trying to trying to steal his wife and, yeah. and tombstoning him on the stairs and stuff. Yeah, this is the thing. But still, it's just so much fun. The two of them are, are so much fun together. Uh, such great chemistry. Um, and it speaks to Miz as a performer as well, that someone like Daniel Bryan can come out and tell him to his face, Miz, everything you do is awful. <laughs> and have the entire audience cheer and jeer at the Miz, but then we're still sitting here at home going, I mean, yeah, but he's really great. Yeah, but he's really good he's, at being that bad. He's really good at being that awful. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of the point of this segment was Miz trying to instigate Team Hell No into fighting amongst themselves. But then the whole thing breaking down when Sanity and the Bludgeon Brothers and the New Day all crashed the set and there was this massive kerfuffle and it was a ton of fun and chaos as Sanity would say, and it ended up getting turned into a 10-man tag team match. Wow. Uh, That's what the other segment was. It was uh, backstage with the New Day. With yeah, team I was talking about. Yeah, yeah when, when Kane starts quoting NSYNC. For some, that was like a running no, that joke was in on the, the show. That was the thing with The Miz. He mentioned but he did it both. He did it on both oh, times. Oh, God. It was a running NSYNC joke <laughs> with the Kane, which, oh, I that, I don't know. That we, don't, just, we don't need to rehash that. That tickled, that tickled me. <laughs> But, anyway, uh, but, I think we've called this out before. This is kind of, like you said, a nostalgia act, but it's also a sort of last ride for uh, this legend, this this guy. Yeah. It's probably he's, he's going to go. He's going to go be mayor. And, you know, I have I was down on this initially here on the show when they were first reforming a couple weeks ago. And I've, I've come around. It, it's it's fun. It, I, it is what it is. You can't be mad at it. Yeah, you it's just so can't. much fun. Uh, but the, no, the uh, the the Teddy Long special, the ten man tag match at the end of the show, uh, that was even nice, fun chaos with Daniel Bryan picking up a win over uh, uh, what's his name from Sanity? Uh, 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 God, <laughs> not Killian Dane, not Eric Young, the other one. Yeah, uh, Eric, Alex, Young. Well, Eric, uh, Young. Eric Young. Eric right. Young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- thank you. I had a complete brain fart there. Ah, <laughs> oh, geez, I was just watching some old Eric Young TNA matches too. But uh, yeah, no, so nice, nice win for Daniel Bryan and Kane. They get to go off looking great to this pay-per-view, which I think is indicative of something. And uh, and I think that maybe the last time we see Kane on TV for a while, he may show up next week. But then after that, the uh, the mayoral race happens the very first week of August, I believe. So yeah, probably going to say bye-bye to the big red mm-hmm. machine for now. It was an, I th- So I think we might not see him again because I think that thing that they did at the end of the show with Daniel Bryan doing his pyro, the fact that they've not done his pyro for years now, Yep. I think that was kind of a... Yep, absolutely. Salute. That's exactly uh, how I took it, was we yep. actually saw frickin' Kane's pyro. Like I and almost it wasn't went, even, oh. It wasn't even a big pyro. It was two little hot pots. You know, yeah. It wasn't like the big stuff that they <laughs> sometimes use. Uh, but no, this was a great. I thought this was a fun way. As much as we bitch about tag matches sometimes, this all really worked well uh, to show off these two matches that they're building with this, and that's the tag team matches between Bludgeon Brothers and Team Hell No, and then the uh, pre-show match, the tables match between Sanity and the New Day, which I highly suspect to steal the show, a la New Day and Usos from last year. Yeah. Well, hey, next up we had the. You know, I, I got to say something. Uh-oh. Do you remember? A mere three months ago, <laughs> I know when when AJ Styles and Nakamura uh, were set up for the dream match before all of the dick punching, 
before all of this, we were going to have two of the most elite superstars of New Japan Pro Wrestling of all time, of, of just all wrestling ever, getting in the ring together. And it's the dream match. Do you remember last year at, at uh, Money in the Bank, I believe, when they had the ladder and they moved the ladder aside and just stared at each other? Yes. And everyone in the audience freaked out. And we all, <gasps> oh, they could fight. They might be able to fight. <gasps> into- well, here we are again. And now AJ Nakamura is just kind of a throwaway match on SmackDown. Or Rusev. Uh, right. It was a way to build heat for yeah. AJ's match with Rusev. Ouch. Uh, Ouch. I, I don't know. A, who booked this? You're fired. B, uh, I, I want to see AJ and Rusev, but I don't want to diminish everything that we got out of AJ and Nakamura. And frankly, I don't think it should be done yet. I don't even know. I if- don't know that it is done. I don't feel like there was closure. I don't feel like there was a blow off. We've just moved on. Yeah, because it was really kind of an underwhelming feud overall, like yeah. compared to the expectations and the fact that it became all about, you know, crotch shots, yeah. I think didn't help with that. But uh, yeah, so we had an AJ versus Nakamura match for some reason that was booked, but that turned into uh, AJ and uh, AJ versus Nakamura and uh, Rusev with uh, Jeff Hardy coming out because he's got a match against Nakamura for the US title. So great, we throw another tag match together. Well, yeah, and I I wasn't I'm not necessarily mad at the theory behind having one match turn into a tag match just to keep things interesting and unexpected. That's fine, especially when you're promoting two big matches as they were here. It's just the history with Nakamura that just kind of and again, it's logical. Nakamura is facing Jeff Hardy. You have Jeff Hardy come out team with AJ. It makes sense. I get it. But just the history with AJ and Nakamura is so recent that it just it it didn't the energy was weird. Yeah, it's kind of like it. I mean I don't know it's it's it is weird. That's the best way to put it. Again, I don't feel like I have closure. I want closure. I'm invested. We spent a year getting from that moment you mentioned in Money in the Bank last year all the way up to WrestleMania and the Dream Match and yada yada, and it it, it never it never manifested itself. It never, we never got to see two of arguably the best technical wrestlers with extended history get at each other in the way that we expected them to. It just it turned into comedy BS antics. It turned into the yeah. Benny Hill show. Well, and, and Aiden English getting involved and causing a disqualification at the end. You know, yeah. Rusev, whatever. So it's it, it wasn't even it didn't even end up being a match at the end of the whole thing. So yeah, I, again, this was fine. I'm I'm still kind of excited for AJ and Rusev, even though I feel it's a transitional feud for AJ, and it's another misuse of Rusev where they just won't. And it's, I think it's too late, frankly, but they won't turn him face yeah. for the for the Rusev day chance. And he's in this weird tweener spot where he yeah, gets they've, cheered. They've diminished, now. they've diminished so much. I mean, they've, it's I, like they've Matt made Hardy. him stop doing. Now Aiden just does the Rusev day when. He was timing it to get the entire chow, uh, crowd to explode. Rusev Day. Mm. They made him stop doing that. You might so. still see it on Sunday, but again, the fact that Rusev's coming in as the heel, it's just it uh, it cuts the legs out from underneath any kind of push that he yeah. could have with that momentum, that that crowd energy, uh, and it reminds me a lot of what just recently happened with Matt Hardy and the Delete Chance, where you know he came when him and Jeff came back last year at WrestleMania, and it was enormous. I mean, it was every, we talk about this a lot was how over they were and how over the delete chant and the, the broken hearty world was and just where it's at now. And it feels very similar to that where, you know, you could argue that the Rusev day thing was kind of a meme, but at the same day, it was indicative of something larger that people really saw something in Rusev and connected to something in Rusev that they wanted to get behind. And the fact that it's fading off isn't just because the meme is getting old. It's because 
people are like, I really just can't. They won't let me get behind yeah. Rusev. Uh, and as much as it's great that he's in the uh, title shot, like it's his first title shot in four years. Uh, at the same time, it's just gonna it's gonna end. He's gonna go back down to the mid card. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of uh, mid card, James Ellsworth had his uh, what was it? Um, uh, Battle of the Sexes two. Battle of the Sexes two. Uh, the lumberjack Oscar version in the lumberjack lumberjane lumberjane lumberjill uh, match tonight, and I I was really let down by this. Yeah, I just, it didn't. It, it was not executed well. It devolved into just a melee of all of the different women outside, and that became the point of, or the focus, I should say, of what was going on. And it wasn't about Ellsworth and Oscar, and it yep. wasn't about Carmella and Oscar. And no, I mean, it was more about who was. Fi- I was watching for the mini stories of who was getting who's some, fighting who's fighting who, outside who's fighting who poorly outside, yeah. and. Yeah, that you know, completely undoes the idea of a lumberjack match when the lumberjacks all break down, which you know happens happened sure. before. It just this was really awkward. They literally started fighting for no reason. Nothing set them off. There was no psychology behind getting them to to fight each other. They just oh, I don't like you, so man, it's gonna everyone everyone's gonna start fighting at the same time. Nothing's gonna trigger it. Uh, in addition, uh, as you said, there wasn't really a whole lot here as far as Carmella was concerned it wasn't like she was she was kind of masterminding where she threw some mace in for Ellsworth to use on Asuka which he did great I guess and as a reason they got uh, Ellsworth put in a shark cage for the for their match this weekend which okay great great. Uh, but yeah this this was pretty underwhelming and I am actually having trouble putting my finger on what exactly about it uh, besides, obviously, the, the the kind of confusion of the lumberjacks breaking down, and the just the way that the whole Ellsworth Oscar thing played out, the timing just felt off. I, I can't put my finger on it, but it just it did not make me more excited for this match at all. No, I was excited going into this. I like the idea of doing more mixed gender matches, and even if they're just comedy bits or setting up other things, I like that kind of stuff. And I love the way that Ellsworth was setting it up, too, where he yeah. was you know, acting like he was this macho dude, and it's Ellsworth. Right. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Right. Natural comedy. Put him in there with a known killer you know, in Asuka, and who had one of the greatest title reigns yeah. ever. And yes, you expect some things to happen, but yeah, I knew going in that there would be some antics here and it would set up somewhere where Carmella would come in and just kick her in the face and one, two and whatever. And they run away. I really it's kind hope, of their MO at this point. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm hoping against hope, even though, you know, my instincts tell me otherwise, I'm hoping that they pay this off uh, this Sunday. I'm hoping that there's some, some payoff of this. That this was another tease uh, that we all want to see Oscar kick James Ellsworth's head off for real and really break Carmella's arm or you know, just really mess her up. We all want to see that. And that's part of the basics of building a good wrestling program Right, is just make it so you want to see that heel get there come up in so badly that when they do, you pop, right? Yep. I'm hoping that's what they do here, and it's not going to be a finish where we take the heat from this and try to keep it on Carmella by letting her go over Asuka, and then all of a sudden we really hate Carmella going into whoever her opponent is at SummerSlam, whether that's Charlotte or Becky or whatever. Um, I, I'm really hoping for the former because I don't know if they can keep this up uh, before this becomes X-Pac heat on Carmella, which it's starting to turn <laughs> towards already. Yep. 
Uh, but last up, we've got uh, Sin Cara f- had a match with Andrade Cien Almas. We've finally. been waiting for this for quite some time. Uh, wasn't really sure if it was an it was a, some sort of injury to Sin Cara. It was a legit injury to Sin Cara that pushed this off, which is too bad because as we saw with this match, it was worth the wait. They only had about five or seven minutes to yeah. do this match, but my God, they did a good job with the time they had. Yeah. Holy, this might be the best Sin Cara's looked since NXT. Is it, so we've we talked about the iterations of Sin Cara over yeah, the years. This uh, new version. This of is Sin Cara. a new one. This right? is the new the new Sin Cara. Yeah. yeah, but since I mean, this has been a long time since I've seen him look this good, and I, you know, maybe it was just Andrade pulling, you know, bringing him up. But I think there's a lot of moves that Sin Cara was doing that that was all him, and he yeah. looked great. Uh, it was just a very exciting, well told match of. Andrade beating him down and finally, finally, you know, taking him out and looking dominant. Uh, Does I can't, this go anywhere from here? I don't Are think. So. I think that was it. I think okay. they're. I think they're ready as soon as Extreme Rules is over to put Andrade somewhere. And I'm looking forward to wherever he goes. Um, and I'm hoping it's somewhere big yep. because that boy is going to go a long way. Well. Before we get out of here on SmackDown Live, we did have one segment uh, before the show where Samoa Joe attacks Ty Dillinger. What are your thoughts on this? Are we going to have a feud with Ty Dillinger and Samoa Joe? No, I mean, this was only available on WWE.com or if you were obviously in the in the arena, but I think this, this was telling us that they know, we're like, no, Samoa Joe's still here. He's still a killer. Another one like Andrade saying almost they're waiting to just you know drop the other shoe on. Uh, it's so people that are wondering where's Joe, where's Joe? He's still there. He they just don't have a program for him because you know we have co-branded pay-per-views now. There's only so much room. Yeah. Well, hey, there's SmackDown Live, guys. Uh, Ian, let's jump right in and do our pickums for Extreme Rules. Uh, we did get the announcement that there is going to be a pre-show of New Day facing off against Sanity in a tables match. Yep, as much as sometimes we like to say the pre-shows are that's just the nature of a pre-show match, this is a main of this is like a main card match. Yes. We're getting on the pre-show. This Remember is last year stacked. we had New Day and Usos like opening uh, pre- doing pre-show matches and they yeah. would steal the show. And that was what they said at the time was you can put us on the pre-show all you want. This is when the show starts is when you, we go out for our matches. You said Corbin and uh, uh, Finn might be your sleeper match. This is mine. Oh, no, this I don't think this is a sleeper match. I think if you watched any of the New Day and Usos last year, you know, they're fully capable of stealing the show. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm what I meant by sleeper is like it could steal the show. It could end up being the match of the show. Oh, I think it absolutely has a chance of being one of the matches of the show. Yep. If not the, yeah. But uh, who do you have this one? Who's going over? New Day um, or Sanity? I, I think Sanity needs the win to kind of submit them. So I'm going to go with Sanity. I think New Day is going to be fine uh, regardless. Uh, and if we get a feud out of it, great. Uh, I don't predict a program, but Sanity gets this win to kind of have their their sort of signature win uh, and cement them as a stable on SmackDown Live. I agree. I think Sanity's taking this one as well. I think they definitely need the momentum. Uh, that's the third time on the show I've used that word. God. Damn you, Michael Cole. I'm going to have to start bringing scotch and doing shots oh I might, that might encourage me to do it sir yeah. uh no i think sanity's taking this as well i think if we do go towards a program a la the usos and new day last year this is a good start for it it started with do the same thing you did last year it worked last time i don't see any reason why it wouldn't work again with different team opposite new day um sometimes it's you know, if it ain't broke don't try to fix it uh, so yeah, I think Sandy's taking this one. We're going to head into a nice long program. Nudie can take the next one if they want. Nice. Uh, next up in the main show card, Finn Balor faces off against Baron Corbin. Who do you got here? Finn Balor. 
Finn Balor. Yep, right. they've been built. They've been building this up too long as the uh, David versus Goliath story. I don't see a long term feud going on here. Really, I think this is going to be a quick one and done. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if this is if if Corbin does pull this out, there's more to it. We'll probably go ahead with it to SummerSlam. But given how packed these cards are these days, I don't. I don't see this going much further. No. So I think Finn's going to take it here and put this uh, put this guy behind him. I I agree, but I disagree. Uh, I think Baron Corbin is going to sneak in an end of days and uh, absolutely put him down. I think it's going to be Finn on just crazy Tasmanian Devil offense like you normally see him. But uh, Baron Corbin's going to sneak one in at the end of it, do something dirty, whatever. Baron Corbin's your winner of the match, even so, though so Finn looks good. Basically, what you're saying is it's going to be every Finn Balor match for the last two months. Yes. Again, because they've been telegraphing it to us this whole time. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, next up, Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens in a steel cage match. Who do you got here? I am going to go for the wild card. The uh, Vegas odds say otherwise, but I'm going to say Kevin Owens is taking this one. I think he's going. I think that one of the upsides to it being a cage match, even though supposedly you can't quote get away, one of the points of the match is to get away is to try and escape the cage. And it's one way that he could uh, beat Braun Strowman and not look weak is to escape out of the cage. And if they want to keep this going, that's a way to do it is have Kevin Owens pull out this one and really piss the monster off. Do you want to put a 0.5 prop bet on the fact that he uh, wins by escaping the cage? Sure, if you'd like. Sure, because I'm going to pick Braun Strowman to win this because I don't see... You know, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. He is your money in the bank holder. He needs a vic- He doesn't need the victory, but you can't have your money in the bank holder lose unless they're in sort of a heel position. Anyway, Braun Strowman is going to win this. I don't think Kevin only escapes the cage. So, so you're will- saying you're saying plus five for a pinfall in the cage, pinfall or submission in the cage. Sure. All right, plus point five to you. Uh, far be it from you to pick against your boy. I, I can't Braun pick Strowman. against Braun Strowman. No. Next up, we have the Deleters of Worlds. I guess Bray Wyatt will be back by Sunday. He's done his reckless endangerment stuff. Uh, Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy facing off against the B-team of Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. Who do you got, sir? This is an easy one for me. Deleters of Worlds, they've been uh, being beaten by the B-team consistently for so long. Uh, I think that it's it's pretty clear that they, they're going to have a bit more of a reign. they got more to do with them, and this has just been a way to... Just keep things circling. I think the leaders of worlds will retain and hand the B team their first loss. Ooh. See, I have some interesting, weird fantasy speculation about where this is going to go. And I I need to preface this a little bit by exemplifying just how dead the F and tag division is on (laughs) Monday Night Raw. So I wouldn't put it past them putting these belts on the B team, I believe to split up Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt at some point in the near future because I don't think this is going to last forever. I think it's going to be a transitional title reign in order to somewhat somehow reboot uh, the, the Monday Night Raw tag division. So maybe it's AOP that comes and destroys them after um, Extreme Rules. I think B-Team is going to pull out a little sneaky win here. Yes, as you said earlier in the show, you've been telling us that for the longest time, that yes. B-Team is going somewhere. Yes, for For a year, I believe you said, yes. between the, with the Miz Taraj. I'm telling the you guys about this Bo Dallas guy and, and Curtis okay. Axel for a long time. All right, well, yep. we will have to see come Sunday. But in the meantime, who do you have between the Bludgeon Brothers versus Team Hell No for the SmackDown Live Tag Champions? Oh, see, this is probably the hardest one for me to book or to pick because... I'm sitting here going, can the Bludgeon Brothers lose? They really haven't done anything other than show up in costumes and beat the hell out of people. I no, I don't know that anybody's really invested in them other than Vince. Um, I'm 
but at the same time, you're not going to put tag title belts on somebody that's walking out the door. So it's it's got to stay on the Bludgeon Brothers. Agreed. Uh, that, that's uh, I as, think as it's much the easiest. As, as cool as it would be to see Daniel Bryan and, and Kane with the tag titles again. Again, yeah. Uh, it, it's just not going to happen. The only way it will happen is if they drop it the next SmackDown. Sure. Back to the Bludgeon Brothers, like sure. they get one more title reign in, and then boom. We're done, or they they split up, and Kane turns on him one last time on you his know way what? out. As much time as they've been getting on TV, I'll take a flyer and I'll I'll yeah. go against you and I'll put Team Hell No. Okay, yeah, just because. because here's the thing: I I think it's fairly clear that Bludgeon Brothers will win here, and Kane will eat the pin on his way out to becoming mayor. But at the same time, there is the outside chance they could still pull it off with Team Hell No picking up the victory if they if Kane eats the pin and gives up the tag championships next SmackDown, they could absolutely do that and, uh, and get away with it in storyline and outside of storyline. Yeah. So we will see, although I believe at this point, Bludgeon brothers are undefeated as a team. So that would be a pretty big deal to hand them their first loss, but, uh, we will see come Sunday. Yep. Uh, next up, we've got Jeff Hardy versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the U S title. Who do you have here? Um, I, I think I've been speculating for quite some time that, and, and, and both of us have, that Knock needs a title, needs a reign, needs a signature win of that sort, and I, I, I think this is going to be it for him. Um, I think this is going to be the, the first title reign for Shinsuke Nakamura. And I actually kind of like this, that it's not the WWE Championship as we thought it would be several times in the, in the recent, recent memory. So uh, I, I'm picking Nakamura here because I think this is going to be his first big run, and I just... I. There's no reason for it not to. Jeff Hardy will be fine. I love that he's in the makeup. Maybe it sends him back down deeper into that hole uh, of where he finds it, and he comes back just with this renewed vigor. But if you've been watching Jeff Hardy's matches lately, it's a lot of spot fests. He's not really doing anything creative. It's If you're watching Jeff Hardy's matches for the last 25 years, they're all spot sure. fests. Not, it's a whisper in the on, wind, man. trying to do swinging neck breakers, finally landing a swanton bomb, and... Okay. He's telling a good story with it. He had a good match with Miz last week. I thought it told a good story. And and his work this week was also pretty good. As much as he had spots, he still can tell a good story while he's doing it. Sure. That being said, I'd have to agree with you. Nakamura is taking this one here. It's been too many times where he's almost gotten a title. If he loses this one as well, it's really going to take some money out of his stocks. Um, and especially because Jeff Hardy, as you said, can't afford to lose. He's looked really strong for the last couple of weeks. It's not at this point. It's not going to hurt him too much to have Nakamura go over him, especially if it's in some sort of skullduggerous way. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think Nakamura not only could, but should uh, take it this Sunday. Prop bet on whether or not Nakamura dick punches Jeff Hardy. I, w- I refuse to engage in that kind of <laughs> speculation. All right, sir. moving on. Uh, next up, we've got Roman Reigns facing off against Bobby Lashley. Who uh-huh. do you got here? Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. All right. Yep. Uh, I'm so bored with Roman Reigns. There's no way Bobby Lashley's winning this. No, it's not, man. Come on. Roman this Reigns. Was, this was originally supposed to be a number one contendership match. I'm not sure why it's not still, uh, because now there's just really no point to it there's no stakes other than bragging rights yeah. or whatever they they've caught you know made up for this here's the here's the bonus point for this one this is going to be a full point not a point not, not a point five this is a full bonus point okay will this be the main event of the show will this be the final match of the show a match that does not involve a title a match that does not have any stakes whatsoever other than personal pride as they've built this will this be the final match of the show solely because it is Roman Reigns. Yes. Wow. No, not solely because it's Roman Reigns. Solely because I've been watching the advertising for all of the programming this okay. week. And if you any any extreme rules thing, all they do is talk about Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley. They are setting it up to be the closer. And main they event. don't even have 
uh, extreme rules match. Like if, it's if not, you, there's nothing, nothing extreme about this match. Those advertisements, uh, adverts aside, I would have easily said AJ Styles and Rusev for the WWE Championship will be the main event closing the show. But that said, I've been they haven't they've barely mentioned that in any of yep. the advertising. Yeah, or, which and, kind of tells you what they think about Rusev. Well, and that's kind of my point is basing you know ba- based on Roman Reigns or Bobby Lashley and how they're positioning them in the company versus how they're positioning AJ Styles and Rusev. Who do you put on last if you're someone in the WWE? Right. I think it's a no brainer, and it's sad that that's the case. Moving on, Carmella versus Oscar for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship with James Ellsworth hung above the ring in a shark cage. I think. Um I think I've said this before, um, and you've doubted it because you don't know how to get it off of her or once you put it on her. I think there's a good chance Asuka takes it here, and I think the dynamic of having Ellsworth up in the cage, not in her corner, and not able to interfere in any way, there's no, this has to be a clean match, or it's, you know, if it's going to be champion's advantage because it's just a straight up match, right? There's no extreme parts of this, right? Is that fair? I'll let you finish. Okay. So from my from my point of view, I'm going, at some point, they've got to let Asuka win something. Because, I mean, damn, since WrestleMania, she hasn't won a damn thing that I can remember other than beating, tapping out James Ellsworth. I mean, like, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, so at the end of the day, I'm going, when are they going to give her this? But at the same time, I agree with you. That's like, how do they get it off of her? How do they move forward? I want to see Asuka win. I'm taking a flyer here. I want Asuka to have this championship. And I think it would be better matches, better for the show to have her going up against Charlotte, Becky, whoever it's going to be later in the year, than Carmella. Uh, sadly, I agree with you on all that, except for the fact that Asuka's not going to win. It's going to be Carmella. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a shark cage match before, but they always get out somehow. Somehow there's always something. Enzo had they, oil or something. He yeah, was oiling there's himself There's always up. some way that they get out you know, and, and get free and, and get down somehow. So I, I see... Did uh, Jericho get out? Uh, when he was uh, in the Kevin... In the, not the festival. I, I can't thing. remember off the top of my head yeah. right now. I'm too busy thinking about Ellsworth covered in oil, sneaking through the bars of a uh, cage. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, somehow well, he does have an advantage of not having a chin, and it allows him to get through the bars easier. God, watch that become a thing. That's oh, going to be man. Careful. Uh, no, I think that there's definitely going to be some skullduggery here, some sort of kerfuffle, some sort of nonsense, and Carmella will once again screw over Asuka and retain the title. And it's not going to be something that's, that, in theory in their minds, will not hurt Asuka because it is a, a, a muddled finish. Yeah. It's not a clean finish. And so it's no, it won't, quote, hurt her as much. But, uh, yeah, I think Carmella retains all the way to SummerSlam. And whoever, if it's Asuka still, or I think if it's Becky or Charlotte, will finally beat her. That's where the, she's going to drop it. I kind of Maybe. agree with you there. I'm, faces, I'm half considering changing my pick on faces this Faces don't usually win at SummerSlam, but that could be one I could see happening. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, next up, we got a couple more. Nia Jax facing off against Alexa Bliss for yet another iteration of the Raw Women's Championship. Who you got here? Bliss all the way. Yep, same. Uh, I don't, I, I, it's, it, there needs no real discussion. No, that's Ronda will get involved somehow and screw it up or, or something. Bliss is definitely retaining. There's no way Nia gets it back because there's no story between her and, and uh, Ronda Rousey. Um, I think this is, and, and they are so high on Alexa Bliss that it beggars belief. We just saw an advertisement for a table for three today where it was Trish Stratus, Lita, and Alexa Bliss. And if that doesn't, that doesn't tip the, the scale as to you know, where they're at with what they think of Alexa Bliss, I don't know what does. So I could see this match ending in DQ where Nia takes the win, but doesn't get the Alexa Bliss retains. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 but I, so, think, I think this match is one of those that's, 
it's not about who's winning. It's it, Alexa Bliss is going to retain, retain regardless. Yeah, let's 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 clarify that we're not calling necessarily Bliss to win per se. Yeah. She is retaining the belt. Yeah, exactly. She's retaining the belt. That's what we were saying on both of those. Uh, next up, this is a big old card because we got four hours to cover on every pay per view now. Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship in a quote unquote Iron Man match that only goes thirty minutes, which I. <laughs> I have a hard time calling an Iron Man. That's more like a Copper Man match. It's like a bronze match. Yeah, you know? really. <laughs> uh, settle down over there, New Japan. Um, so all their matches are like 30 plus minutes, right? I'm just thinking about Brett and Sean and other oh, Iron Man okay. matches I've seen that are real Iron settle Man matches. Settle down a little bit more. This isn't come on. Okay. Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. Come on. Yeah, I, oh, I hear you uh, on that one. Um, I don't know on this one. I want to say Seth picks up the victory, which leads into a feud with uh, Drew McIntyre. That's what my gut's telling me, and I'm going to go with it. I think Seth wins here. Uh, somehow overcomes the the fact that uh, that McIntyre is at the side. Maybe that's the thing that embroils the feud going forward. But ultimately. Uh, ends up screwing over Ziggler at the same time, so it breaks them up. We lead into a program with Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. Am I fantasy dreaming and living in a fantasy <laughs> world right now? Absolutely, because that's what I want to see. Do I think that's going to happen eventually? I don't know. I'm calling Seth Rollins to pick up his intercontinental title again. Here. Well, partially to be contrary and partially because I'm taking the safe bet, I'm going to say Dolph is going to retain here. Um, I think that that they may have been... A little too obvious with Drew winning on Monday, and I think that might mean that Seth does win. Yeah, um, there is. So the unsafe part of me says that they've been hiding how healthy Ambrose is, and Ambrose runs in to take oh. out Drew McIntyre. Yeah, and I may be regretting this come next week when that happens, and I go ahead and pick Dolph. But I am sticking with my Dolph pick uh, because I think that I think it's too early still for Dean. I think, I think that his oh, earliest projected or something, his earliest projected was like August. <laughs> so if he comes back in, I think that, I think it might be a little bit premature. Uh, not that it's never happened before, but I, I think it's a long shot and the safer bet is Dolph retains, uh, and Seth continues to chase all the way to SummerSlam. I like the dynamic between our picks before we get to the last one here, because it's like, it's my fantasy of what I want to see. Sometimes mixed with what I think will happen, and you are kind of more of like realistic about it, and like what will what you will happen, rather than getting wrapped up in like what you would like to see. Yes, I think there's that, a fun dynamic in that. That is why you fail. Yeah, maybe, maybe moving on. <laughs> unless I it, did unless whip it's all that ass. Unless it's WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Yes, yes. when right. it counts. Guys. Keep when on sleeping in that bed. Yes. Moving on to what should be the main event: AJ Styles versus Rusev for the WWE championship on three nick shall we one two three styles. styles yep that's a that's a kind of a no-brainer i cannot see rusev in any way picking this up here uh this is but i said that last year when jenner mahal got it so oh god please like, prove us wrong here then i would I, I, please i would I will, love it if they proved this wrong i will put it gladly on be handed this loss for this entire yep. card if you put the wwe championship well, we'll on both, rusev we'll both lose on this one because we both pick styles uh, if Rusev picks this up, we're both losing the point, and well, we're, we're going to know by the middle of the be show because they're going to put it in the bury it in the middle somewhere. I think it's actually it might open the show. That's a good point. <laughs> I've done that before too. It, the WWE Championship might open the show and a nothing match for for no real reason between <laughs> Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns will close the show. Oh boy, dear God! Well, that is our pickums for. 
this weekend's uh, Extreme Rules pay-per-view from WWE. Come back and check us out. We will have our recap and analysis of that show on this coming Monday. But stick around because we have a ton more to talk about because we have to go and talk about the wide world of wrestling. Well, our first stop in the wide world of wrestling, as it always is, is sticking with the WWE and NXT at full sail. Starting the show off with Adam Cole facing off against Danny Burch. After last week, they got in a little tussle backstage and a little mouthy with each other. And it was like, all right, well, we'll have a match next week. Yep. Adam Cole picks up the win in a pretty hard-hitting match. Uh, decent match. Nothing to write home about. But it was a good signature win for Cole. I think he's going to need this going into uh, Brooklyn, where I believe he will probably lose his title to Ricochet. I agree. So I think that this is a good way of making him look strong in, in uh, advance of that um, you haven't watched ahead and are spoiling anything, are you? No. Okay, good. All right, because no, I, I, I have not, I am, and I'm, I think that too. I think I'm Ricochet's in line for that. Fantasy booking, but yeah. it's also fantasy booking, as you said before, with a lot of pragmatism thrown in, and that seems to be where they're going. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, next up, we had a little bit of a scrap out back in the parking lot by the TV trucks with uh, Shayna Baszler and Candice LeRae. Shayna was just hanging out. Minding texting. her own business, and that hussy... Candice came yeah. up and just started stuff with her. Hey, bitch. She's taking she's taking cues from her evil boyfriend, right. Johnny Gargano, who has turned to the dark side. Uh, I, I can't believe this. Oh boy! But uh, no, all, all all fooling aside, uh, this was a fun little scrap. We are we did get announced that next week there will be a fatal four way match for the number one contendership between Ooh. Bianca Belair, Kyrie Sane, Nikki Cross, and Candice LeRae. And if you don't think this little bit right here was telling us who's going to win that fatal four way, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's a shame with the other with the talent that's in that foursome that that's the one that they're going to pick to telegraph to us. Which I think kind of the opposite. It might be somebody else. Well, given but, some of the rumors we're hearing that yeah. Nikki might be getting called up soon, I have a feeling that Candace will uh, pin Nikki yeah. uh, next week. So Nikki's been doing house show. I mean, and even Shayna has been rumored to be showing up on uh, Raw stuff. So yeah, uh, we we don't know. Every there's so much talent right now. We're getting ready to go into the May Young Classic 2.0. Uh, it's there. The women's division is is especially exciting right now, both on the main show and in NXT. Here's a speculative idea. Yeah. Okay. So this is going to take a second, but Candice LeRae wins number one contendership, faces Shayna Baszler at uh, Brooklyn. Meanwhile, Ciampa beats Alistair Black in two weeks to pick up the NXT championship, faces Johnny Gargano at Brooklyn. Both Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae pick up the the two belts. Men and women's the same night in a great uh, redemptive angle. The next night, Shayna Baszler shows up on SummerSlam and costs Ronda Rousey her match against Alexa Bliss. Wow. Moving on, uh, we also had Lacey. <laughs> you like that? Uh, I just all over myself. Yep. Lacey Evans uh, faced off with Dakota Kai. Looks like we're having a match between those two next week. Nice. Um, and that's, I'm looking forward to that. Dakota having her long trip back to the main event. Uh, she has some some business to contend with with Shayna Baszler, apparently. Mm -hmm. uh, Kyrie Sane had a match against Vanessa Bourne, who I have been very down on. She looked better here, but still not 100% great. Yeah. Uh, but Kyrie did pick up the win here, looked really good and strong doing it. We almost had a second Japanese person with a broken neck this week uh, <laughs> after that that uh, rope spot Ouch. that she did. Damn, that's Ruth cold. Kind of threw that's her cold. over. I was like, oh, 
I think we both cringed a little bit. Yeah, but if you're wondering why Kyrie and Bianca have been winning their matches lately, it's because they ain't going to win the number one contendership match nope. next week. Just saying. As we mentioned earlier, Johnny Gargano is skulking around, uh, being very vicious looking, and he uh, he had some strong words from Aleister Black about how Aleister could not lose the NXT Championship to Ciampa and uh, Alistair telling him to mind his own business before going to the backstage area and getting DDT'd onto the concrete by that bald bastard. That son of a bitch. Tommaso Ciampa out of nowhere, taking out Alistair Black in advance of their match in two weeks for the championship. Uh, that was a great little segment. Alistair had some great expressions and reactions to Johnny Gargano, who is, looks, I mean, he's, I got to say, I love the new character change with Johnny where he's just, he's almost like scarily psychotic and strung out. (laughs) Yeah. Like strung out. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Like that he's like, like Ciampa has messed him up, has messed him up. He's been at home doing PCP too much and just has, is running around just, he's up, he's up all through the night, high on meth, searching for like, like videos and pictures of Ciampa online and then like deconstructing them in Photoshop and like posting (laughs) them on his wall and throwing darts at them and, yeah, I could go on, I, but I will not because uh, we have to talk about the main event of the evening, and that was the tag God. match for the, for the uh, the NXT Tag Championships. Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain. I'm still exhausted from watching this match. There were points in this match where it was uncomfortable. The, the, the crowd at full sail would not stop counter-chanting Undisputed versus Mustache Mountain. That crowd was... They went on for 20 minutes. They were indefatigable. I mean, they, they just would not... Yes, that's right. They were, they were, they were tireless. Okay. They could not stop chanting, and it just made the match that much more intense, as most of the match was pretty much Trent Seven getting his leg torn off by both members of Undisputed Era and trying to tag in Tyler Bate, and then the whole drama of Tyler not wanting to tag out because... His mentor, Trent Seven, was too injured to come back in, but then had to come back in because Tyler got too beat up by trying to go one-on-two against the Undisputed Era. Brilliantly brooked, brilliantly written match. And then the whole drama of whether or not he should throw, uh, in, the throw towel. in the towel and he doesn't want to lose the championships, but he doesn't want to see his friend lose his career over the leg. And the commentary was brilliant. The commentary was brilliant. They were so fired oh. up, frothing. I'm sure those mics were dripping wet afterwards. <laughs> and of course, you know, he's, he's sitting here with the towel and Trent screaming, no, don't throw it in. And he refuses to tap out. Ugh, the, high, high drama. Brilliantly executed. Of course, Tyler Bate at the end forced to throw in the towel to save Trent Seven's leg and the Undisputed Era takes back the NXT Tag Championship. We had a uh, Bobby Fish appearance with his, I don't know if it was a spelling bee trophy or something that he had. Participation trophy. Yeah, at the top of the ramp as everybody was celebrating. There were sobs and tears from Trent Seven in the ring. I don't, are, are they going back to the UK now? Are we done with these guys? Is there more here? I, I don't, I, I don't really know. Well, uh, so we haven't gotten to listener questions yet, but uh, but Shane Levesque asked us uh, if we were surprised by the outcome of the tag match, the NXT I was tag match. Absolutely um, surprised. I was not, and I was actually surprised when they first gave them the belts. In hindsight, it made sense because they had to make that NXT event in the UK a big deal, and those were the only belts they could possibly get away with transitioning off of somebody. But I knew they had to get it back on Undisputed Era by the time that SummerSlam and Brooklyn rolled around. So I had a feeling that they were nothing but transitional champs. The fact that they gave them two fantastic matches in the interim um, was, I, I think, a way of establishing that they were, you know, at least somewhat legitimate tag champs. And then this really epic send off for their reign. 
uh, I think was a way to do that. I, th- I ultimately think we'll see NXT UK tag belts on their own. I don't think it'll transfer back and yeah. forth between brands, really. Uh, this was just a way of putting over the UK brand temporarily, but ultimately, Undisputed Era needs to have a whole ton of gold to look legitimate. So I, I was not surprised by this. Yeah. No, I, I was surprised by how I should so I should clarify. I was surprised how it played out. I wasn't so I was surprised that they won him in the first place. But I agree with you that's they had to have one belt change hands at the Royal Albert Hall uh, event uh, a week or two ago. Yep. So it, it, did I expect them to lose it a week later or two weeks later? No, but I yeah I, I expected them to hold on to it for another week or two. I actually thought they were going to lose it the next night, oh. <laughs> like the next NXT they were going to lose it. So when it took this long. Um, I was surprised they had Tyler throw in the towel, but I did like the fact that it established that, uh, you know, the honor among friends and the, the love that they had for each other was meant more than the gold. If you father figures his mentor, yeah. he taught him everything he knows about the business. There's yeah. a lot of great so much storyline that can come out of that. I'm, I'm not mad at that at all. I think there's way worse ways they could have ended this match. That right. was, I thought it was a really good way to end. Who it, does, who's the, who are the next opponents for uh, undisputed Era at this point? Have we, uh, have we established that? Do we look forward to uh, take over Brooklyn? I, I wonder, I think there's a lot of tag teams. That's a great thing about, NXTs. They've got a lot of tag teams circling right now. Uh, Wall Waiters, uh, I think, have been saying that they're they're looking at it. They're hungry for it, and I'm, they're I'm thinking face, the mighty. Their face right now, the mighty are heel. So I don't see the heels going against the heels because yeah, uh, right because you know right now as it is with poor Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan, it was almost impossible for them to get cheered at the last takeover against Undisputed Era. So you have to have like some serious face guys going up against Undisputed Era at this point for them to get any kind of cheers and not get booed. At and, this and point, that's going to be War Raiders. I think that's that they're the they're the they're the best option right now. At any rate, heading over to 205 Live, we had another opening with the Lucha House Party kicking off the show. This time, it was a match between Kalisto and Tony Nice with Buddy Murphy at ringside. And basically, this was a way of just building that Buddy Murphy's going to have some issues with the Lucha House Party going forward. We had a little scuffle at the end. Buddy Murphy tackling Grand Metalik and going to town on him. It was a nice. Nice, nice t- uh, tussle at the end of this match, and we're building towards a feud between Buddy Murphy, Tony Nese, and maybe a third person because Lucha House Party is three guys. So Ooh, Gulak, uh, Gulak's busy with Kendrick and Gallagher. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's I don't right. think it's going to be him. It's going to be somebody else. Maybe mm-hmm. a Tommy, when he, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also saw that Noam Dar is back, and uh, he and TJP are heading into a feud, talking some smack backstage. They get a another match next week, which will hopefully go longer than thirty seconds. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I look forward to the two of them working together. We had a quick match. Uh, Leo Rush squashed Kyle Delaney, a, a local competitor, but uh, Akira Tozawa was, was ringside and gotten uh, gotten Leo's face afterwards, kind of like. A uh, inversion of last week where Leo was making fun of Tozawa during his match. We had a match get put together for next week between Leo Rush and Akira Tozawa. Mm. And uh, finally, we had Itami, Hideo Itami in the main event, getting his uh, his title shot against Cedric Alexander. What did you think of this big match? I'm going to be honest. Um, after the absolute inundation of wrestling that I've experienced in the last 48 hours <laughs> i actually nodded off during this oh. match and i don't remember it it's one of those that i need to go back and watch along with the g1 special and and other things you so. know what's you know what's funny is i don't blame you for nodding off it's not that it was a bad match the crowd was completely dead and it was a very methodical match it okay. was very much hideo tommy doing a lot of strong strikes and then a lot of selling from cedric um and i also thought it ended really really quickly i don't know if they just called for it to end or what it was but cedric hit basically one move and it was over uh, after taking monstrous amounts of punishment. So 
I was surprised by that. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little underwhelmed based on what I was going to expect. But at the same time, this was definitely a Atami wheelhouse kind of match where that's his, that's his jam is beating dudes up. So from that perspective, I wasn't mad at it. Uh, certainly as far as two or five live goes, it was a little bit underwhelming, especially after buddy Murphy and, and Mustafa Ali last week oh, yeah. burned the house down. Yeah. But um, a lot of people are really coming down on this match. And I really, I think that they're, uh, they're spoiled. If, if this match is considered bad, considering some of the stuff that was seen on other WWE TV this week, I thought it was a perfectly, a perfectly acceptable match. It was a, it was a nice way to have Cedric have a strong victory as champion again, notch on his belt that he wanted another notch on his yep. belt that he beat a Tommy. Yeah, no, totally fine. Uh, but again, I do understand why you fell asleep during it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. At a couple points in the middle, I saw my, I felt myself getting drowsy and I had to, had to think like, why am I, I, I'm liking this match. I like what's happening. Why am I drowsy? Is it because there's just no heat from the audience for this whatsoever? There's no applause. Maybe don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Well, hey, that's enough of the WWE. We've got a lot to talk about. You took a special trip this week to go see the yes, uh, New Japan G1 special. Tell us about your trip, man. What were some of the highlights? Um, I mean, the, the G1 special was, first of all, taking place in the historic Cow Palace in San Francisco, like one of the West Coast bastions of old school wrestling. Uh, and even new school, a lot of, lot of really historic moments have taken place there. Pat Patterson, obviously, was a big, uh, big fixture there back in the day. But uh, so aside from the historical nature of it, this was an awesome show. And I, they may have learned a lesson with Strong Style Evolved in Long Beach previously, uh, which had sort of a, a mediocre card, but, yeah. but wasn't, wasn't a bad show, just wasn't mind-blowing. Did it have this, more than 5,000 seats? Uh, yes, this was a 10,000-seat <laughs> arena. They only sold out about 6,300 of them, unfortunately. So wow. pretty much the whole second deck was about, about half empty on the second deck. It was, okay. it was pretty sparse, you could tell. That's um, a shame. Yeah, it, it was kind of a bummer. Uh, one of our listeners that was actually there and met up with me, Ryan Rugani, uh, came down to say hi, and nice. it was very cool to meet him. And uh, we were we were commenting about how good the show was, and, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, so it was really nice to meet him, and thanks to him for, for coming and saying hi and listening to the show. But uh, as far as the show itself, uh, top to bottom, it was fantastic. You had this, kind of the typical tag matches to start off the show. Um, which all of which were fun. You know, you had Minoru Suzuki uh, versus uh, Ishii and Toru Yano with Zack Sabre Jr. And the typical spots you, you expect from that. Yep. Um, you had uh, Kazuchika Okada and, and, and Will Ospreay. It was a bunch of great stuff. The real meat came, as it usually does, in the second half of the show. You had the, uh, the Hiromu Takahashi and Dragon Lee match, which we spoke about earlier, which before the injury, by the way, was an ad, like that was the roof came off the place. It was an absolutely insane match. Uh, really incredible. You had, uh, I thought it was a lot of people sounded underwhelmed by it. I liked it. The, the Jeff Cobb versus Hiroki Goto match. Mm. I thought was nice and hard hitting some good strength spots. I liked that match. Uh, but a lot of people seemed down in it for some reason. Um, Cobb was over as hell getting some nice chance. The two big matches of the show, obviously. And these are the ones we're going to talk about the most. And that is Jay White versus uh juice robinson and then the big match of the night cody versus the current iwgp heavyweight champion kenny omega for control of the bullet club uh let's i want to talk about that one first because if you didn't watch the show you don't know what's going on cody and kenny have been feuding for a long time over who's really in charge of the bullet club right and this finally put the kibosh on that with uh with kenny omega of course picking up the win after some absolutely insane spots there was a superplex off the top of a ladder that was inside the ring there was a spot to the outside where Cody 
pretty much mostly missed a table and took a nasty bump outside. Uh, it was a, it was a, a pretty damn good match, but at the end of the day, Kenny picks up a pretty decisive win and Cody limps off. And after that, Bullet Club celebrating, Kenny telling everyone to love each other. They start heading towards the back and the Tongans. You had Tamatonga, Tangaloa, their real life dad, King Haku, the scariest man in the history of wrestling. Please don't kill me, Minoru Suzuki. Uh, but they all came out and wiped the floor with all of Bullet Club. Even Chase Owens and Yujiro uh, came out to took try and stop it. Took them all back down to the ring. They took, it, they took them all out. And all of the, uh, the Tongans were standing tall. They finally showed that they were splitting up from the Bullet Club. Even Cody limping back out to the ring is given a chair by the Tongans to finally put an end to Kenny. And he sides with Kenny and starts trying to take out the Tongans. He gets beaten down. And uh, now they're actually, so post all this, this all happened, by the way, we're half the crowd had left. Everyone was like, cool. The show's over. This the was bullet, the, this was the old, club the old copyright the dodge. What they do in NXT. Exactly. Right. They put that little <laughs> thing on the corner. You're like, cool. The show's over. I can, I can go bathroom and, you know, oh, get I my dick. Let's yep, go. Yep. Nope. Good thing. You got swerved. I could, I looked over from where I was sitting and the, uh, the main entrance of the cow palace, there's people lined up all through the ramp, trying to look back and see what's going on in the arena. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, it looks like the Tongans have now formed a little stable of their own called the Firing Squad. Uh, post all of this, it came out that Bad Luck Fallet had actually joined with them as well. So Bullet Club is not fine. Kenny and uh, Cody may have put their differences mostly behind them, but now we have a whole new big issue with the Tongans all rebelling, and uh, all of them are OG. Uh, so it's it's so going to be a pretty the, big the deal. The core Bullet Club is back. Other than the Tongans are back together. So you, Cody, Hangman, uh, Young Bucks, and but they're all later Kenny. era. They're all later era. Uh, sure, sure. Bullet Club guys. So the Tongans are really the the old school guys. The Fale, last man standing sort of. Yeah. Fale was one of the one of the original guys. Right. Tamatanga was shortly thereafter. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty nice uh, twist on this story. Uh, but the match I really want to talk about as well is Jay White versus Juice Robinson because dear God. This is this was definitely the most hype the crowd was all night. Juice Robinson was over as hell. Um, it was a massive night for him. He came out with you know doing the whole USA USA thing. Juice SA now as is being oh, called. God. Okay. Um, and Jay White has gone from being kind of a sort of baby face to he's full he's full heel now. He is as heel as hell. He he broke quote unquote broke Jay White's hand before this match. So Jay White had to wrestle in a cast on his left hand, which he was not allowed to use because it's a weapon. Right. Uh, so this whole match was really well set up. The, a lot of the promos before it were fantastic, and the match itself was a really. I, I went from being really down on Jay White. You've probably heard me crap on Jay White before. Turned around. He did some incredible heel work here. Some really good wrestling. Um, and in addition, I want to point out uh, Jim Ross. And Josh Barnett are the Access TV commentators. Yes, um, they were both ringside, and there were some monstrous barricade spots in this match where you know, where Jay White was putting juice into the barricades harder than I think I've ever seen someone go into the barricades. People were going flying, barricades were going flying, and he put him into the barricade in front of the announce desk and sent Jim Ross flying. Uh, the barricade went into the table, sent Jim Ross backwards, which gets Josh Barnett up. And he jumps out after Jay White says, you know, now you done fucked up now and starts chasing him around. <laughs> the crowd was really hot. Uh, they were really angry at Jay White before. I have never seen a crowd in uh, that I can think of in, in the last 20 years get this ugly, this quick. People were ready to jump the barricade and murder Jay White for hurting JR. 
and were cheering Josh Barnett. You thought there was, I mean, Juice was way over after this as well. It was a fantastic moment. And I want to talk about it because I'm not sure if that was a work or a shoot. And based on what came out afterwards, where we're seeing stuff where Jim Ross is saying he legit broke a rib and he had to go to the doctor and he's having some, he's, he's been missing actual dates that he's supposed to perform. It might have actually been an actual mistake and an error. And Josh Barnett did a great job covering for it and, and letting Jim, you know, recover, or he may have actually legit been mad. Um, and I'm hoping I get to interview him in the next couple of days and find out for real fingers crossed if, if I, if I run into him. Okay. But, um, at the same time, that was a really interesting spot where it did a really good job hyping the match and making the match even more intense. And when juice Robinson finally picked up the win at the end in a fantastic closing sequence, uh, it made the, the roof came off the place and people were jumping up and down the biggest pop of the night, hands down. Uh, it really did help the match. So I'm of two minds about it. I don't want to see Jim Ross get hurt. Of course. But at the same time, man, it really worked for the match. Well, we've been high on Juice Robinson since the G1 last year, since the, the G1 Climax last yeah. year. Said he was one of the ones that probably had the best G1 uh, of last year. So he's been riding this wave ever since then. Is it, Do you think he gets some big shine off of the G1 special going into the G1 Climax I mean, tournament? he's now the U.S. champ. He's He's got his first belt in New Japan. Absolutely. I, this is a huge deal for him. And for him to win it in America, he's now the first American to hold the belt before it was a Canadian and then a New Zealander. Uh, so it's a big deal for him to get this. And 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 you definitely felt it that night. Yeah, that it was a big deal that he won this. Well, with the the G one climax tournament does open and start this weekend. Uh, what do we have as far as thoughts? We we I think we've discussed all gone down over the brackets and everything a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what are some initial thoughts going into this now that you've seen the G one special and the outcomes of that? Well, I mean the G one climax. I, I've got a nice big sheet here about who's facing who when. Uh, and it's a lot of fun, but um, it's it's going to be pretty insane. You have all your heavy hitters in this, and there's a lot of storylines going into this, including the fact that Kenny Omega and uh, uh, and and is going to be facing off against the other member of the Golden Lovers in Kota Ibushi. Right. The last night of the tournament, like they're that's going to be they're building to that. They're probably going to have them be tied, and one of them's going to have to beat the other one to go through to the finals, something like that. Yep. Um, you know, other stories. Uh, you've got Juice Robinson. Uh, sorry, Tamatonga is going to be in the same bracket as Kenny Omega as well, and probably gunning for him and any other members of Bullet Club. Um, you've got, uh, let's see, we've got Kazuchika Okada in, in Block A, um, and he's going to have to go through people like Minoru Suzuki and Tanahashi and Jay White uh, and Evil and a bunch of other and big luck, bad luck fallet. Uh, it's going to be an absolutely monstrous event, and I, I'm look, so looking forward to this. I'm going to be watching so much New Japan over the next month. My <laughs> eyes are going to bleed. Uh, be ready for the shows to be a little New Japan heavy over the course of the next few weeks because uh, that actually it's a nice break. So between now and SummerSlam, we can uh, focus a little bit more on what's going on in the tournament. Absolutely. And, you know, especially coming off of Extreme Rules, like it's a good chance if you haven't been in New Japan, if you want to learn who some of these big guys in New Japan are, it's a great way to do it because yeah. you have... Tons of matches. A lot of these personalities playing off each other. A lot of storylines are coming together for this. 
Um, so and there's a, great- a loser style bracketology si- or a, uh, what do they call it? Win loss bracketology system that goes into each of these, yeah. almost similar to like a World Cup or something like that, where the, the you, you can you have wins and losses and certain losers face off against each other. And it's, it's like the opening. It's like the opening round of the World Cup. Yeah. Only it's it goes on for a month. It's, it's a round robin with a tons of guys. I've actually got a really cool wall chart of it. I'm going to put up in the uh, Facebook discussion group. So anyone who wants to play along with the G1 climax can do so at their discretion. Nice. Uh, heading over to the temple, let's talk about what went down in Lucha Underground this week really quickly before we get to our listener questions. I've not seen it yet because I buy it on iTunes and it just we don't get it until the next day, which is today. So I, again, more wrestling I've got to watch uh, this weekend to get caught up. But in what went down on Lucha Underground last well, night? Well, it's, it's actually, again, uh, Lucha Underground is, is making some big moves on every show where they're killing off characters right and left. This week, Matanza sacrificed Cortez Castro to the gods, a guy who's been there since the first season. First episode, I think he was Gone. there. Yeah. yeah, he was a member of the, 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 uh, the crew back crew. in the day, and he turned out to be a, a, a cop. He was a, really a double agent. Um, also, the, at the end of the show, this was trippy as hell. You remember at the end of last season, uh, Masquerade Sagrada, like you know, the Rabbit Tribe were saying he was the uh, he was the White Rabbit, yeah, and he was weirded out at first. All of a sudden, he seemed to know what they were talking about and said, "I'll lead you to the White Rabbit." Well, this week he said, "I'll lead you to the White Rabbit," but to do so, you got to do you got to do this, and then they murder him and smear themselves in his blood. Wow, yeah. Uh, it's it's hard to describe because By it's really way, tri- if, it's if really trippy. If you don't watch, Masquerade Sagrada is a a little person. Uh, I don't know what you is, He's is a mini. There? He's a mini. That's yeah. that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Um, so it's it's an interesting dynamic to have someone who is the rabbit tribe chasing around a mini, a mini uh, dressed in white. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, and I, th- I have a feeling the rabbit tribe is going to get into some really weird stuff if the preview for the season is any indication. Oh yeah. The fact that they started off with killing Masquerade Sagrada <laughs> and bathing in his blood is a good indication of where things are going. I mean, we're going till Thanksgiving, folks. We got a long way to go, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait. That's, oh. That was weird as hell uh but uh, we also had a match between it was, a, it was a triple threat between all three members of the trio's championship team so kill shot the mac and uh um, son of havoc son of havoc all had a, a match and the two winners basically the person who got pinned would not receive an aztec medallion so the two gotcha. the guy who doesn't get pinned and the guy who does the pinning gets the aztec medallions and the mac ended up standing tall and both havoc and kill shot were knocked out and he was like, "Who do I pin?" He pinned son of he pinned uh, excuse me, kill shot. So he and son of havoc get a medallion. But now the, the trios mm. they're not looking so good. They're they're uh, the kill shot was not happy about Bad that blood between the as, Mac and kill shot. As you can understand, mm. in the main event you had a cage having to go through Mil Muertes to oh. get the Pentagon Junior. As you would imagine, wait to watch this, it was uh, it was hard hitting. It was uh, it was brutal. Not as gnarly as the three way between the two of them and uh, and uh, what is it, whatever we call him, Sammy Callahan's character. Uh, from last season, but um, not, Jeremiah Crane. Jeremiah Crane. Yeah, uh, was not as brutal as that, but it was definitely hard hitting. At one point, uh, Cage was out in the audience cheering for himself, and Pentagon jumped up, pulled off a, a hoodie, and beat the crap out of him. Sent him back in the ring to get take a flatliner. Uh, Katrina refused to give the lick of death. Which interesting. is interesting. Maybe eating the thousand souls of Phoenix has uh, changed her somewhat. Yeah, mm. changed. Uh, giving her a bad t- never mind i'm uh, not gonna go down there her. yeah maybe she's going face nah. nah nah please don't uh but uh but yeah next week we're getting pentagon jr versus the machine cage oh boy. uh we'll see what happens there cage may die well or he might he might lose an arm i'll tell you that 
Well, hey, let's head over and do some listener questions because uh, there's a, quite a few of you guys. Uh, sorry if we don't get to your questions this week. There have been so many of them, and we love you guys for it. We're trying to pick out the best ones or consolidate ones that are similar so that we can answer them at the same time. But we, we've started off at the opening here what we're going to call the Brock section. <laughs> we had a lot of Brock questions. There's a lot of Brock chatter in, in the group As you would understand, that was kind of the big deal this week. Yeah. You know, We had, let's see, Jasper Lynch was asking uh, if they should strip Brock from his title and if they uh, should do a match at SummerSlam with Lashley, Reigns, Balor, Joe, Braun, and Drew for the title or like other people to get rid of the uh, the universal belt. Right. Um, and uh, so so basically the, the question, should they strip Brock of his title? Uh, Nicholas Yates said, uh, do you think that Brock will make it to SummerSlam after the UFC thing or do they have Braun do a cash-in? So basically, here's two options we're being given so far. Do they strip him? Does Braun cash in before SummerSlam? Or uh, Edward Acreese asks, will Braun cash in at the UFC match, which is going to be all the way next year? Um, he says, just kidding. But what do you think the plan for Brock would be if, say, he gets injured during the fight and the title's away for longer? So really quickly, let me hit up Edward Acree because that match, the UFC match, is not going to be until at least January. Right. And there's no way they're keeping the title on him until January. No. There's no freaking way. Um, so, you know, the other questions were, does he make it to SummerSlam? And uh, does Braun cash in before SummerSlam or do they strip him of the title before SummerSlam? I think he makes it to SummerSlam and he drops the title to, it's what we thought would happen at WrestleMania. He's going to drop the title to, to Roman Reigns. And I think Braun may have a failed cash in on Roman Reigns. That's kind of where I'm, my headspace is at right now. Um, if, if I think that there's the, the smart thing to do would have Braun have a, a legit cash in uh, or on Roman Reigns. around and have Roman Reigns win, but have Braun immediately cash in. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have a whole program between the two of them, and Brock can go juice himself up. Brock. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Go piss in a cup, which you're going to have to do a lot. Um, But yeah, I I don't think they're going to strip him. Uh, The fact that that they have just come out and said that he's booked for SummerSlam, I think means that he will make it to SummerSlam as the Universal Champion. Well, that would also sully the whole movement they had about he's now the longest reigning title holder whatever beat CM Punk's record. I think it would sully that if they just went out and stripped him of it. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, you know, it is what it is at this point. Although I, I do like the idea of having a, a huge match for the title at SummerSlam. Uh, like, like Jasper was talking about where it's just a big cluster of all the biggest oh, guys. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be mad at that. Uh, let's see some other questions here. Um, do you think it's from uh, Jay Hubble? Do you think the writing on the wall, do you think the writing is on the wall for new day? As they are now on the pre-show, no, 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 not at all. Far from it. They're yeah. continuing to innovate. There can as much as you can innovate with pancakes and food items, foodstuffs. But they've gone from what was it? It wasn't. It was cereal, cereal, unicorn horns, unicorn something. So they're continuing to do their thing. They're having a blast. The up, up, down, down stuff that Xavier Woods is doing is just blowing up and huge. They are fine. Let me put it this way: I don't think the fact that they're on the pre-show is indicative that that their time is up. I think it's just they're they're starting to wind down. I really do. I think the new year, the new the new day <laughs> will not survive into the new year. I think they they will split up sometime in the future, in the probably near future. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the pre-show is indicative of that. I think it's indicative of a huge card where they're not fighting for a belt. The fact that they're facing off against one of the hottest new teams on SmackDown Live in a tables match, the fact that last year they were also on the pre-show against the Usos, Multiple times, a couple times, um, is is a sign, and they they see that as motivation. Oh, we're on the pre-show. Cool, we're going to steal the show. Yeah, exactly. So no, I don't think that that's the that's writing on the wall. 
at all. Uh, but I do think that they're probably going to split them up at some point in the, in the relatively near future. Next up, Ryan Rugani brought up an interesting point that I had not really considered yet, and it's around the idea that uh, Daniel Bryan continues to deliver these ideas uh, for the programs, and he continues to get turned down, but he's not mad at it because he's just happy to be back. Are we are we seeing the beginnings of the potential exit of Daniel Bryan from the WWE to go off and start another thing a la All In or something like that that would just completely blow up around him in a yeah, good way? Yeah, uh, what Ryan Rigani actually said, and it was nice to meet him, uh, nice to meet you, Ryan, at, uh, at the G1, um, was that Daniel Bryan might leave and start an absolute revolution of pro, of pro wrestling uh, because his quote in the WWE was, that he doesn't say anything because he's just happy to be back. Right? Yeah, right. right. So there, there is a possibility of that. Yes, he's not. His contract expires at the end of August. He absolutely could not renew his contract and go off and do his own thing on the indies. And as we've seen with some of these guys like Cody and the Young Bucks, etc., he could go out and probably make a really good living. Mm-hmm. And probably, but he would also have to hustle his ass off, much like Cody and the Young Bucks do, and fly all over the world with a new baby at home. I think and a as, wife that's running like five businesses. Yeah, exactly. They're, I, they're crazy busy right now. I personally think it's a and lot. I only know more, that because I watch Total Balance. Oh, so just full disclosure. Of course you do. <laughs> um, I think it's much more likely that he resigns. And um, from what I'm hearing, as far as early rumors, um, as far as things that they're teasing with him, like teasing the Miz feud uh, uh, this week. Samoa Joe. Um, the the possibility of an actual Samoa Joe feud, which which Nick has been uh, touching himself over for a few, for a few months now, and yeah. I don't I don't blame him. Um, I don't see Daniel Bryan going anywhere else. Look, I Bri- really don't. Bryan Danielson has done the indie scene. He did it for ten plus years before he ever got to the WWE. He knows what that life is like. He knows where his bread's buttered. He's got it really good at the WWE, and that's why he's being quoted as saying thing like, "I don't say anything because I'm happy to be back." Yeah, I'm happy to be getting paid this amount of money. And not having to go bust my ass and 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 break my hiney right. every night on the indies, um, you know, which you know, and he does like the stiffer form of wrestling. He's gone on record as saying that. Yeah. Um, and I here's the thing that I think is going to happen is that he's going to, you know, he probably will in some of these meetings tease. Well, you know, I can always go to the indies, <laughs> and just as a way to getting a nice a nicer paycheck. I, I I think WWE would be crazy not to pay that man his money. Yeah. Uh, after everything that he's done in that company. Pay that man his money. We're not going to start doing Malkovich again. Pay this man his money. All right, next up, Corey Roberts asked, uh, after seeing the G1 special and hearing about Takahashi's injury, I was wondering, what are your thoughts on WWE's, quote, safe style of wrestling, given the numerous injuries over the past couple of years, I'm assuming in uh, New Japan that he's referring to? Well, yeah, because the... The sort of the feeling is that New Japan they they kind of kill each other a little bit more. It's sure. a, it's a it is it is inarguably stiffer. Um, they also work a lot less shows. Sure. WWE they're working to you know two major one two major shows plus a house show a week um, plus all the travel and that and that grind and you know, the thing you hear about a lot all the time in WWE is the grind. And one of the reasons why they work a bit of a safer style in WWE is to be able to maintain endurance. Yeah, yeah, you're taking a lot more smaller bumps, whereas in New Japan you take fewer, stronger bumps. So once a month or so, right? Uh, and also you have some guys who are willing to go out there and try some more high risk moves. Uh, with the particular move as it relates to Takahashi, the move was just a botched move. I'm not even sure what the hell they were trying to do with that move. 
And I've seen a lot of Takahashi, Takahashi matches where he goes for really, really dangerous moves, but executes them flawlessly. And at some point that will catch up with you. It happened yeah. with Will Ospreay and Marty Skrull earlier this year at WrestleMania weekend or just before WrestleMania weekend, excuse me. Um, you know, but it happens as, as, as I think that uh, uh, Corey's pointing out here, it happens in, in all over the place. You know, you've got Dean Ambrose who's currently out with an arm injury in WWE Fandango and gold dust are currently out. Um, gold dust because of his knees, but Fandango because of a, a shoulder injury, like injuries are going to happen in this sport in this activity like it's going to happen uh, obviously you want to try and avoid the really scary horrific ones like shibata like talk like potentially what it could have happened to takahashi but um that being said i i really don't know that i agree with the idea that wwe is so much safer than new japan i think they just have to have they have to work a different way because they have a different schedule yeah and in some ways it might actually Give them more wear and tear in the long run. Yeah. Well, next up, Deuce Elefante. What's up, man? Uh, to, regarding 205 Live, who dethrones Cedric Alexander and when? Yikes. Um, for me, it's Ali or, or Buddy Murphy. It's really? One, it's still? One, one of the two, yeah. I, 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 think, I think Buddy Murphy's probably going to be your next champion. Go from a face to a heel. Um, I, the match they had, I just don't know who's next if we've moved on past those feuds. Well, Buddy Murphy is, is going into a feud with the Lucha House Party right now. Drew Gulak came out this week and said he was gunning for Cedric Alexander. So I think it's Gulak. Okay. Uh, and I think it could happen anytime in the next couple of months. But uh, or, or Cedric gets past Gulak. I'm not sure. But, I, but after him, I don't know who it would be. Uh, Cedric had a pretty strong win this week. So yeah, I guess that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, Eric Elledge asks, what do you think the ceiling is for Drew McIntyre? Can you see him being the face of the company over guys like Roman and Lashley? Also, do you think Becky can carry either women's division if given the opportunity? So let's look at this one at a time. Yep. What is Drew? Let's 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 ignore the ceiling for Drew McIntyre. Let's just go straight for. Can we see him being the face of the company over guys like Roman and Lashley? One hundred percent. Yes. 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 Absolutely. That's his. That's the ceiling. Is the guy. And I think he is. That is the plan. I hope that's you've the certainly plan. got Roman. You've got Braun. Maybe in there. And there, I think Drew is the next yeah, one. This is this is not the chosen one, Drew McIntyre anymore. This yeah. is world seasoned, uh, come back from heartbreak. Drew McIntyre fixed his game. This dude can absolutely take your company places. I and and I can tell you that from seeing him live at an NXT event. The yep. the dude is legit. I got to chat with him for uh, thirty seconds and take a picture with him when we were there in Riverside, <laughs> and just a nice world class kind of dude. Well, he gives you the feeling of being yeah. the guy. Yeah. He really does give you that feeling, and that's something that you can't teach, Enzo. Uh, what I would say to counter that is I could also see AJ Styles doing it, but if you want the Vince McMahon WWE prototypical yeah. big dude being the face, it's Drew McIntyre, and absolutely I can see that over Roman Reigns and even and Bobby Lashley, of yep. course. Yeah, and he's, he's got the look. Yep. He's completely got the look. Uh, as far as Becky... Yes, I do think she can. She needs to be given a push and the time that's involved in that. I don't think that she's a superstar on the level of, say, Charlotte, which who just has that ephemeral, ephemeral, <laughs> ephemeral something, kind of like Drew McIntyre. But Becky absolutely can be the face of a division. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm fifty fifty on Becky still. Uh, like, like I said a few weeks ago, I, I don't know. Could she care? She certainly did at one time. When they first split, did the brand split Absolutely. the draft, and no one questioned and, it, and nobody quite. We were all like, "Hell yeah, she's the yep. she's the SmackDown Live Women's Champion." Since then, 
Yep. Uh, she so, hasn't, I don't, in my opinion, she has not fallen as far as Sasha and Bailey as far as the original agreed. four horsewomen. She still has some feeling of legitimacy around her. They haven't buried her like those two. But uh, so they, ha- they have more work to do on those two, I think, than they do on Becky, who they think, I think they're building back up. Yeah. Wait, next up, Brandon Monroe asked us, uh, what was your first memory? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> what was your first memory of pro wrestling and how has it impacted your view on wrestling? I'll let you go first on this. What was your first memory of pro wrestling? Oh, my first memory. You see, here's the problem is I was pretty young, so it's all kind of muddled together. Yeah. And I and I don't really remember which really happened first, but it's a lot of like I get when I think about oh, what would be the first one. There's like the Jake the Snake and Macho Man uh, feud where, where the Cobra was biting Macho Man's arm while he was trapped in the ropes. Uh, there was Macho and Miss Elizabeth getting back together. The superpowers breaking up. Uh, earthquake sitting on on Damien uh, with Jake the Snake. A lot of Jake the Snake and Macho Man, Macho Man memories in my first. Yeah. Uh, a lot of from that era, and I'm trying to remember what was together, like Bobby the Brain and Mister Perfect. Um, I, I, I so it's hard for me to think think what actually was the first memory. I had to go back and see, like in reality, which one of those was first. Yeah, like what actually came first, so I could say that's my first memory. But uh, how it's affected me. I mean, geez, I like Jake the Snake and Macho Man over anything else. I think that's pretty much defined yeah. who I like in wrestling ever since. And the fact that I was I was drawn to stuff like Jake the Snake sicking his snake on Macho Man. That's probably why I loved ECW back in the day. That's why I love like a little bit more edge in my matches and stuff where stuff you can't tell if things are real or not. Or if they're so real that you question you know, you question what you're seeing, really. Yeah. Um. And and as far as the superpowers breaking up, you know, the the feeling that you can't trust anybody. Yeah. Um. So I, I'd say that's that's mine. What about yours, sir? Uh. Well, my first memory of pro wrestling was when I was probably I was somewhere I was less than ten years old, but I don't remember what age. I have distinct memories of uh going over to my grandfather's house uh with him chain smoking uh Chesterfield non filters just constantly and he had one of those giant sat i think i've told you this on the show before they had one of those giant satellite dishes in the yard so he could watch the territory stuff in the 80s and i distinctly remember iron chic because of the headdress and because of everything else uh and i distinctly remember uh rick flair and i can remember personalities i can't remember matches mm-hmm. I can, and it, it, the hard part about this question is distinct distinguishing between what you've gone back and watched yeah, exactly. as an adult or as a teen versus what you actually remember seeing when you were a little kid so mm-hmm. that's that's where i get hung up on the i can distinctly remember seeing the iron sheik and rick flair and I feel like Andre the Giant. I, I, I have those memories of, of doing that. But I remember more that I was at my grandfather's house and trying to figure out how to work that giant satellite dish because <laughs> you would basically put in like it was it was a G1 or a E4, and that would tell you what quadrant it would t- I just That's what I remember about it. It has nothing to do with wrestling. It's just what we were watching while I was tinkering with the satellite Man. dish. You, it, I have to go back to... I'm probably I was a, I went through a whole gap through high school and all of this stuff. I didn't come back to wrestling really until the early Attitude Era, yep. probably '97 ish. Mm-hmm. Same, probably uh, Steve Austin, King of the Ring ish yeah. time frame. Uh, we were getting into DX. the The, the Attitude Era was blossoming, mm-hmm. and I was all in at that. That was post college, so I was I was into my late teens and early twenties. And just loving it, and just sitting around drinking beer and watching The Rock and Steve Austin and 
all of the and DX do all do their thing. That really cemented my love of professional wrestling, which made me go back and watch all of a lot of tons of old stuff. Yeah, I probably missed like four or five years there in the nineties too, and I had to go back and get all the VHS tapes and right. I still got reams of VHS tapes and all the ECW crap. I actually it's funny, I was just thinking about it and like what uh, stuff I remember watching. Rock and Wrestling, the cartoon that they actually now have on the WWE network for oh, 1999. Yeah, uh, some episodes. I remember watching that as a kid, and that was the one I could get away with. My parents watched it and, like, walked in and saw me watch, watching that. They would be like, hey, he's watching the cartoon. They watch, and I'm watching wrestling, and it was like <laughs> it was the, the barrage began. It's like, why are you watching this crap? This is so violent. Do You know it's fake, right? Blah, 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 like the typical all right. this stuff now. And whereas now that we're doing this podcast, my mom loves to tell everybody, oh, you know, he was a Hulk Hogan fan as a kid. <laughs> were, I was were not, you? mom. No, no. no. It's the only person you know in wrestling. That's the yeah. only person you know, so that's what you bring up. <laughs> anyway, moving on, one last question. Aaron Collier says, uh, fantasy booking question. Ooh. Eddie Guerrero in his WWE Prime, who would you book him against now from any promotion? Like Omega versus Eddie would be amazing, or Eddie versus Andre Cien Almas, Eddie versus Adam Cole. What, who you got, Nick? I'm going to be real quick here and not get into it because we're a way long at this point. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Guerrero versus AJ Styles. I'm just, and I'll just leave it there, and you guys can fall over yourselves. That's the match. That's it. That's yours? That's mine. Eddie Easy. versus Ricochet. Oh. <laughs> See that very close second. I yeah. think I would love to have either one of those. Yeah, I, I mean, really, Eddie versus anybody, I, because just, that would mean Eddie's still wrestling, and that would that would be the ultimate. He could be wrestling James Ellsworth, and I'd be happy. Yeah. So, all right, Ian, sixty seconds, lightning round, other news to wrap up the show. Ready, set, go. Caitlin is returning to WWE in the May Young Classic. She yes. was a former former Divas champ and winner of NXT season three back when it was a reality show. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, so Caitlin will be back. Also, uh, Rhea Ripley will be back for the Mae Young Classic as well. She's looking real jacked, baby. She's looking real jacked, baby. She made an impression last time. That is a that's a chick who could go a long way in WWE. Great look, uh, lots of athleticism, lots of upside too as well. Uh, much Charisma. like Tony Storm, she's only 21 years old. So big future for some of these ladies that are coming up in the next generation of women's wrestling. Uh, speaking of ladies, Tessa Blanchard just signed a two year contract with Impact. Looks like she's going to become the female face of Impact although there's some other pretty good contenders over there. They're, they're building up another pretty good uh, women's division over there. Fantastic. Uh, this came out. So we this came out. Staples Center was almost the host of All In. What? Yeah, right here in L.A. And so I'm really bummed about this. Damn it. <laughs> uh, apparently. That would have made everything better. I, I, we could have actually gone to it and not oh have to spend God. thousands and thousands of dollars on plane tickets and, uh, and hotel rooms. If we or could have even gotten them. Yeah, if we could have gotten tickets, right. But uh, but apparently Staples Center said they only wanted wrestling from WWE. <laughs> Smells like someone else needs to go the way of Madison Square Garden, uh -huh. he thinks. Uh -huh. Needs to be convinced by Ring of Honor in New Japan. Uh, we mentioned that Goldust had double knee surgery and Fandango had shoulder surgery, both of them out for at least six months. And finally, we will be going to PWG's Tremendous event tomorrow night in downtown Los Angeles. We'll be talking about that next week on the show yes well thank you very much for those updates in uh let's get out of here guys thank you very much for tuning in to yet another episode of the busted wide open podcast as we said at the top of the show be sure you come over to facebook and join the busted wide open discussion group hang out in there that's where we post all of our big announcements for all of our fans and listeners uh you can just search for it on facebook and find it there also on twitter at bwo podcast come follow us there 
And uh, if you like what we're doing, we are going live uh, here in a couple of weeks. We're going to be doing a live test event next Monday right after Extreme Rules. So I will put something up in the Facebook group for that. But earmark August 2nd, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Thursdays, Thursdays at 5 p.m. We are going to be live on YouTube, recording the recording, live streaming the recording of the show. I That's think correct. Is the right way to yeah, say we're doing yeah. the. We are going to be uh, doing a recap and analysis episode of Extreme Rules this coming Monday. Right after we record that at 3 p.m. Pacific, we are doing our live test. That's where it all starts and kicks yes. off. And then we'll be doing our regular show next Thursday, where we're talking about the G1. After that starts kicking off, we're talking about. Uh, the Fallout shows, Raw and SmackDown from Extreme Rules, NXT 205 Live, and everything else we can get our grubby little hands on. Yes, if you want to support this show, every little dollar counts, and we're going to have some new tiers very soon, but head over to Patreon.com. Like Tears for Fears? Not Tears for Fears, Tears of uh, Patronage. Oh, I see. With all kinds of really cool rewards. We've got it all worked out. I've just got to go update it. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign up, throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar for us. Help us move forward and continue to produce this, your favorite wrestling podcast. Uh, and last but certainly not least, we're going to have some new designs up on the store at orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash store along with all of the other shows uh, from Orbital Jigsaw. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe our show on the podcast app of your choice. And on YouTube. And on and now on YouTube, yes. yes. And we will be actually streaming live. You can see our ugly mugs up on YouTube coming very soon. And uh, as well as, uh, as many other podcast <laughs> platforms. The best thing you can do, however, is tell a friend. Do you yes. have any buddies... Any people you know who like wrestling, who are at least a little bit interested in wrestling, send them our way. And if you like our show, give us some feedback. Shoot up a comment or a review on your podcast app of choice or on Facebook. Let us know what you think. We love making the show something a little bit more like what you want to enjoy every time you listen in. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Podcasts. And I'm Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.